set up right on man i love that shit brother i got you cool thank you man 1980 it's from 1981 1981 Um, like actually made back then as well yeah my old old guitar player um one of my bands old guitar player he, he grew out of it and uh years ago uh, we were on the road. Um, he grew out of it. He's like, dude, I got this shirt. I can't wear it. You need to wear it. But, yeah, it's killer. I love it. I oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I've been tempted. I've been tempted to uh I've been tempted to slice it in half. Right. <laughs> yeah. wall, you know, poke frame it on a wall. Yeah. Side, backside. I haven't done it, but what well, like with a vinyl next to it or something? Like a record, oh, exactly. yeah. Well, I've uh, I've been working out a lot lately. Lost lost a lot of weight, so I'm I'm back in shape, so I can wear I can wear it again. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, you you you're looking pretty um, fit there, mate. You look well, like you do a you could do a marathon. Well, I, I have been running. I have been running <laughs> almost every day. And you got your signature hat on. Every time I say you got that hat on, what what makes you love? love wearing that hat is it just a part of you or what yeah well if i show you over here i've got about i've got over i've got over 50 hats really and as far as fedoras like this i probably have uh nine or ten so depending on my mood like you know i've got a nice i got a nice dress blue one yeah i think i wore that last little live thing i did and uh this is just this is an old beater brown one, man. This is a standby. Okay, so this this one means you're in a good mood, yeah? Oh well, yeah. You know what? <laughs> I mean, I I, I, rock, I, I, rock, I rock no hats, you know. You know, sometimes. Um, yeah. Uh, newsboy caps a little bit, but I've always grown accustomed. You know, been accustomed to wearing hats since uh, I don't know years. Years and years and years. I don't know anyone with fifty hats. So there you go. We've learned something new already. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's healthy. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm the same way. I'm I'm pretty much the same way with shoes. I love shoes. I love leather boots. Oh yeah. Like I like leather motorcycle jackets. So uh, that's uh, those are things that I those are things that I kind of collect. Well, we've got something in common as well. You know, we're both D Allens. I mean, come well, on. That's funny, man. I was going to say, um, <laughs> you know, we're long lost cousins. I think uh, your Aunt Peggy goes back to my grandmother, uh, Mimi Allen, in Kentucky back in the day. So You reckon? Yeah. <laughs> There's a few of us around, a few Allens. But we're... And uh, Allen's a pretty common name. And uh, one, of my, one of my best, uh, other than, uh, you know, motorcycling, I, I, play, I play a lot of golf. Which I probably don't look like the average golfer to you, right? You know. Well, so do <laughs> I, mate. I play as well. Not... Oh, do you? Yeah. Well, one of my best mates, his name is Danny Allen. Oh. And our nickname <laughs> for each other is my nickname. My nick Our nickname for each other is uh, you know we call each other Cuz constantly. Cuz, what's up, Cuz? What's up, Cuz? We always play together, and everybody at our golf club thinks we're related. But um. Yeah, we're funny, man. Where are you based out of? Uh, I'm in Los Angeles now. Yeah, you are. Yeah. How are the courses over there? They're, you know, gorgeous. I, I played I played yesterday and uh course is pristine. Mm. 
really thick rough greens are rolling really fast the true fairways cut down nice well they just had they just had the pasadena city tournament this weekend so they sh- they usually get the courts in really good shape for that and uh you know i play in a i play in a skins game a couple games uh, a couple days a week oh nice. now it's one day a week because i'm trying to hustle work monday through friday so you know i gotta hustle work that's the most important thing yeah but uh I'm playing in the Sunday skins. I took some time off, but it's good I'm to get, get out. I'm getting, back. I'm getting it back. It's good. What's your hand? What's your handicap? I'm at I'm at ten at the moment. What are you? I'm a seven at the moment. <sighs> okay, you got me beat. But if- yeah, but but I took a, but I but I took the last two months off because I had some I had some things going on. I was having I was having some anxiety issues and uh yeah. So I took a couple months off. So the last three times out. Uh, haven't been great. Like I went out, dude. I went out and shot a hundred. I mean, I shot a hundred. <laughs> I can't tell you how many Shit. years I shot a hundred. Then I went out like two days later and shot a ninety-five. Yesterday I went out. I practiced. I hit some balls yesterday. I went out. Didn't play well in the front. Shot a forty-five. But the back, I shaped it up. I shot thirty-nine on the back. That's crazy because a hundred for. A seven handicap is pretty bad. Oh, that's <laughs> pretty bad. You could you could you could just imagine the frustration, right? <laughs> yeah. Imagine my frustration. I was just like, but you know, you can't expect. It's not like riding a bike. You don't just get on and do it. Golf, man. Nah, you got to keep it. It's all about rhythm, man. Like playing drums, all about rhythm. If you're not in the pocket, you're not taking that thing. You're not taking that club back slow. Getting a full turn with your hips and getting through it. You're spraying the ball, man, and uh, yeah. and putting in the short game goes real quick. And so, putting's one of the strongest, one of my strongest, you know, Is that's it? one of the strongest parts of my game. And I'm used to one putting and two putting, man. I was leaving shit ten feet, ten feet short, hitting stuff ten feet by. <laughs> so it was really frustrating. But the back nine, I'm, I'm happy with my back nine yesterday, so I'm back. So, do you ever get the woods chatter out, the battle chatter out? When you when you're frustrated on the course, no, no, I have my, you know, I have my, I have my, I'll, I'll have buddies, you know, request, I'll have my buddies request, you know, requested, you know. Oh, really? But it's not. I don't. The golfers I play with, man, they don't, they don't, you know, they know I'm in this, they know I'm in this video game, but they're not gamers, so they have no, they have no idea. They're like, so what's this thing you're doing again? You're in a movie? I'm like, no, man, it's not a movie. It's a video game. They're like, so you do a voice for it? I'm like, yeah. No, and I also do like performance capture, motion capture. Like, what? What the hell is that? They have no idea. It's a pretty big deal. You got to, you got to hype it up to them. So, was this your first performance capture for Woods? First game? Uh, This is my first, yeah, first performance capture, motion capture. Um, In the past, I've done some. uh, I did do a couple of games. Oh, you did? Kind of off the non, like non non union and off the books, uh, little small games just like uh various voices and uh a few years back i did a uh i did an assassin's creed you did yeah and i uh which one i did it was assassin's creed 3 oh wow. i don't know i don't know i don't know did they ever release that because i know they released several titles but i don't know if they ever yeah. released assassin's creed 3 yeah they did yeah. so i did some various voices in there Basically, you know, the usual, getting shot with arrows, falling off buildings, yelling. And uh, I voiced this character as an 18-year-old kid called Sinan. And he was kind of a uh, kind of a Middle Eastern kid. He, was, he wanted to be an architect. So uh, 
you know, that voice was kind of like, he had big dreams of building bridges and churches and uh, he was all into architecture, you know, something like that. I, I have a terrible Middle Eastern accent, but whatever they, you know, they had me do it. So yeah, other than, other than uh, a couple of small games, Assassin's Creed, yeah, this Call of Duty was the first, the first big, you know, game. And, you, you know, did you know, you know how, how big it is? Did you know, you know how big it is, though, when you signed in? Do I? No, when, no. You, when you first got the gig. No, hell no. <laughs> no, no idea. Plus, you know, you don't, you don't know yeah. who, uh, you don't know, you don't know what you're auditioning for, you know? No. I mean, I grew up, I don't know if you want any backstory, but I, yeah. I grew up, uh, I grew up in a small, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's a small town just south of Atlanta called Peachtree City. Uh very, it's like a planned community, golf courses, lakes to fish in. Uh, my mom sold real estate. My dad was an airline pilot. Uh, I had a sister, my sister Denise, who was eight years older than me. She was kind of like my second mom because, you know, because my dad was a pilot, the time we could fly for free. From my, so my parents were always traveling. And so since my sister was eight years older than me, she was left to babysit. So I, I, grew, I grew up quick. Uh, I grew up quick because, you know, she, A, she, she was eight years old. A, she broke my parents in. And B, my sister was, you know, corrupting me at a young age. I mean, first concert I went to, she took me to see Kiss when I was six years old. I remember that. That fucking, I, I remember that blowing my mind. That, that would have fucking rocked. Come on. <laughs> I, mean, I was watching Gene Simmons blow, blow fire, you know, 10, 15 feet. He's squeezing on these, like, uh, you know, gel packs blood spitting out of his mouth he's wearing these boots him and paul stanley wearing these boots so that was my uh growing up that was my that was my first like halloween character i was kiss every year and i had a i had a hockey stick i'd turn upside down and i used the hockey stick as my guitar to walk around a trick-or-treat oh that's awesome but um yeah so yeah i grew up just south of atlanta and uh Started playing drums at an early age. I got I got a, my first drum set. My parents got me a drum set when I was like three or four. Just a kid set, you know, paper heads and stuff. And um, I guess I was so aggressive, man. I tore that thing up. I stabbed holes in all the heads. I just tore it up. It lasted about four or five days. Um, after that, my uh, my uncle Tony, my dad's younger brother, he was a professional drummer in Atlanta. And uh, he gave me he gave me one of his drum sets when I was in third grade. And it was an old 70s Ludwig, John Bonham from Zeppelin, a Bonham type kit. So I, I set that thing up in my room and uh, had a great stereo system. Mm-hmm. And I just I just play along to 96 rock all day. Anything that was on. I mean, you name it, uh, dude. I was playing uh, all of those Rolling Stones, ACDC, Marvin Gaye, Beatles, Stevie Wonder, Top Ten. That's my favorite anything. type of music as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of how I kind of I kind of learned by ear. Um, really? You didn't have lessons? Learned, well, no, no, no lessons. I was in the band. I was in the band for a little while in in um in school and in, in uh you know like middle school. And when I got to junior high, it was too, uh, I guess there was too much structure for me. And I was into rock and roll and I didn't want to, I didn't want to practice my paradiddles. 
And I didn't want to, I didn't want to march. I didn't definitely didn't want to march and wear some goofy, you know, uniform. That's just kind of where I was. Yeah. So I just listened along and, you know, I, I learned, I learned to play drums by ear. So, you know, I wasn't much of a, wasn't much, it wasn't, wasn't much of a student. You know, I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't care. For, I didn't care for studying math. Early math came easy to me. And yeah. Um, then, you know, when I moved on to, uh, you know, middle school, I had my first band, uh, three of us in like sixth grade. And then my first real band I started in high school, the buddy of mine called uh, a buddy of mine named Aaron Beavers. <clears throat> and that's the dude, that's the guy that I wound up being in a, getting a record deal with in a band called Sherman years, years later. Um, so yeah, we started a band called Freight Ends and, you know, we played everything. We played a bunch of covers, a bunch of U2, a bunch of U2. Then we got into metal heavier stuff like Metallica and nice. Anthrax and uh, of course playing, you know, Tom Petty, stuff nice. like that. But um, yeah, so we had that in high school and uh, I was interested in plays and acting from a young age too. I mean, I did, but I was doing plays in kindergarten, you know, little stuff, but then um, in high school, I had this buddy of mine, Eric Smith, who was, he was into the, uh, he was into, you know, videography. He was, uh, he, he was kind of like uh he was, into, he was into directing and he was in the theater program and him and I were really tight. We used to watch movies together, you know, after school, we'd watch breakfast club, weird science, fast times at Ridgemont high. Oh, all, all the, the classics. classics. Yeah. yeah. And so he kind of got me, he kind of got me back. He kind of got me into like serious acting in high school, but um, oh, okay. the word he had, he had, and the, uh, my drama teacher had, you know, I was so hyperactive and out of control. I couldn't sit still. Uh, they were worried about me, you know, being able to memorize all these lines. So every time I passed my buddy Eric in the hall, he'd be like, yo, act, act two lines are due Tuesday. Are you ready? You got this down? And I'm like, you know, I have my script in my back pocket. Yeah, I got it down. And dude, I was ADD, like all over the place. It took it took everything I had to memorize the lines. But once I mem memorized the lines, I was like, wow, then you could get on stage and be, you know, feel comfortable as yourself. So basically cut to that. My buddy Eric. He, um, we were graduating high school. He, uh, he got into NYU film school. So he was moving to New York and I had no plans of going to college because, well, I had planned plans to like go to college, but I waited so long, I waited so long to, to, to submit, you know, to get in, nobody was going to take me anyway. And I, looking back, that was kind of my plan too. So my, my dad was like, you know, I was taking flying lessons and flying, flying was cool. You know, I was flying planes. I got, I got my solo license. I was flying by myself. I'd take trips and fly with my dad's friends who had planes and we'd fly, you know, we'd fly from Atlanta to North Carolina and different planes, but flying was never my, uh, you know, I, I never, I wasn't drawn to it. I was pushed really hard to play tennis. My dad wanted me to be a professional tennis player. Really? So I was pushed really hard to play tennis. So, and I loved it. I was good. And uh, I was good. I'm not trying to brag, but uh, I was pretty good. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I got burnt out from practicing so much. And so there was this friction between me and my dad. I'd be like, you know, F tennis. I want to skateboard with my, I want to skateboard with my friends and hang out, smoke pot. I want to play with my band, you know? So it was kind of a yin, you know, it was kind of a, a friction between us at the time. So my buddy got into NYU and I was, my dad's like, you know, he sent me down. I remember we went out to breakfast one morning. He's like, so he was like, what do you want to do? I had a couple of friends who were, uh, 
they were moving to Boulder, Colorado. They were gonna they were gonna go go to Boulder, actually, and, and a bunch of them went to school at Crested Butte. So they were gonna go out there, go to Western State, and then they were gonna you know work at a ski lift. So they got free ski you know free ski passes. I'm big snow loves. They grew up snow skiing. Love snow skiing. So I'm like. Yeah, maybe I'll move to Colorado, you know, and, um, you know, get a job on a lift. And my, dad, my dad's like, that's not, he goes, no, no, that's not, you know, you're not doing that. You got to figure something else out. And I said, well, Pop, only thing, only thing I'm interested in, you know, I want to play music and I, I want to act. So mm. I researched some schools in New York and uh, found this, uh, found American Academy of Dramatic Arts. I sent him a letter. And um, they uh, they they called me up. They said, "Yeah, you want to fly? You want to fly up and uh, visit and uh, do an audition?" So I I learned these I learned these two monologues. Flew up with my dad, and uh, wow. I remember sitting outside. I was sitting outside at my buddy's dorm at NYU. Him and I are sitting right there, Washington Square Park near the Arc de Triomphe. Yeah, and uh, running my line, running my lines for my monologue, practicing. Went in, did them. Got a letter two weeks later, you're in. And then I moved to New York. I was 18. Wow. I moved to New York. You know, I moved to New York like three or four weeks later. Wow. So, so I was in that program. It's a two-year program. Got an associate, associate, associate's degree. Um, then they, they asked me to be in their, uh, their repertory theater company, which is kind of a third year. They invite like, uh, I think it was like 20. We had invited like 20 actors. Every year they dump it. Every year they down it down. So you make it through the first year, they cut it down, and so many people get to the second year to graduate. If you graduate, and then they invite about twenty actors to be in a repertory company. And so that third year, what we would do is like every four weeks, every four weeks we'd rehearse and put on a play and invite agents and you know friends and stuff. And, uh, I mean, I was studying. I, I was studying, you know, everything we were mm. doing. I was doing, I was doing Chekhov, which I had no interest in Chekhov, but <laughs> I loved Sam Shepard. I loved doing True West. I did Tennessee Williams. Uh, did a Woody Allen play called Don't Drink the Water, which is really funny. Um, I actually did a little bit of a tiny bit of Shakespeare. Like um, really, I did a little bit of a, yeah, which was you know, it was really intimidating because just the. The, the 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 pacing and the language that, that uh shakespeare wrote and i was really intimidated especially being so young but uh i remember doing a little bit of uh henry v and i can remember the first part of this monologue i had to learn was like uh now entertain conjecture of a time when creeping murmur in the pouring dark fills the wide spaces of the universe fills the wide vessels of the universe, something like that. But um, yeah, so I, I moved to New York. I, I lived in the YMCA, uh, 92nd Street for the first year. Then I moved down to the village, Thompson Street near NYU, like a block and a half south of Washington Square Park. Um, yeah, and I, I lived there for, uh, I lived in New York, I lived on West 11th Street for a little bit in the West Village. Then I moved to Williamsburg before it came hip. Now it's now it's one of the priciest places there. Um, I had this, I had this. We had this thirty five hundred square foot loft. We had a basketball hoop in there, and the two guys <laughs> I lived with, we had a three piece band, and it was like fifteen hundred bucks a month at the time. 
now if you were to get the loft like that there, it probably costs you like six grand a month, seven grand a month. Anyway, um, yeah, so I spent, after that, uh, I spent time auditioning, doing odd jobs. I got a job, you know, bartending and uh, waiting tables. I had a killer job at this place called the Iridium Cafe. And Les Paul, are you familiar with Les Paul guitars? Les Paul, Les Paul played there every Tuesday night. Oh, wow. Well, for six Shit. months, I was a bartender and Les Paul was 15 feet away from me. Oh, that's cool. And he had a special guest come in. That was really cool. Um, shit, other side jobs I had in New York. I was a bike messenger three different times. And to this day, being a bike messenger in New York is one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. So what does that involve? So basically, I'm on my mountain bike. And basically, you're delivering parcels from one building to another. Okay, like, yeah. I go, I'd, I'd pick. It's back when you had to use the phone. You had to. You had to <laughs> <laughs> you had a pocket full of quarters yeah. and you had this like you had a little order sheet to call in this is damon my you had a number like mine was like a uh damon a602 like okay where are you at You're like i'm downtown at soho or i'm in tribeca like okay head down to the uh world trade head down to the world trade towers 53rd floor go to so-and-so you know this law office they got a parcel for you put it in the messenger bag drive it uptown to 86th street so like I said, we had to use pay phones, man. No cell phones back then. I know. So there was there was this trick that we used to use, bike messages also. You could you could pick up a pay phone in New York and you know the thing you hang it up on, if you push it down, you hear a click. Once you hear that click, instead of putting a quarter in, you could put a nickel in and release it and it make your phone call. <laughs> so instead of using, you know, 25 call, it was only a nickel a call. <laughs> I don't know what I'm hacks. telling you. Good old the yeah. good old the hacks, right? Yeah, dude. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a total hack. So you did a lot uh, of a lot of theater. Do you remember your first um, acting gig? Um, well, I wrote. You know, I wound up writing a one act play with a bunch of uh, you know a bunch of us after we graduated. We were all doing side gigs, bartending, waiting tables. Um. I wrote a one act play that we got produced, did it in a theater. It was called, called friends, it was just a little one act play. And then I would do some off, off Broadway stuff, off, off, off Broadway stuff. And then I started, uh, I got an, I got an agent started auditioning a little bit. And finally I was like, uh, uh, actually I was living, I was living, but I was living when I, uh, I was living in Greenpoint next to Williamsburg. And uh, I just gotten my first motorcycle because I, I wasn't allowed to have a motorcycle growing up because my parents knew I'd kill, I would kill myself. But I had a motorcycle, but I was living with, I was dating a girl from Sydney, Australia. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Down under. Anyway, um, after that, uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm going with that. that I, yeah. So I did some. Well, I started. I was still playing in bands. I started playing with this girl in New York called Claudine Kilson. She wound up moving to LA and then I was kind of ready for a move. So I lived, I had lived in New York for eight years. I was ready for a move. So I moved to, I moved to LA yep. after that. Um, I got, I got an agent out here. His name was uh, Daniel Hoff. He was sending me out commercially. I hooked back up with uh, Claudine Kilson. We formed this band called Claudine three. Cause there was three of us, me, her and uh, our bass player named Marty. 
And then my buddy Aaron that I was in high school with, we were in a band Freight Ends. He was uh, he had went to Arizona State. Then he moved to Colorado. He was ski bum for a while. Then he moved to Hawaii. He started sending me tape, cassette tapes of songs. He's like, dude, I got some really good songs. I want you to hear them. He goes, I'm, he goes, I'm thinking about moving back to, to the mainland. He goes, I think I'm going to move to San Jose because he was into surfing. And I'm like, San Jose. I'm like, you fucking, why are you moving to San Jose? You want to make it? I'm like, you either got to move to New York or L.A., brother. I mean, <laughs> you want to be in a music. And he visited me in New York and he didn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't care for that fast paced lifestyle. So I knew, I knew he wasn't going to move to New York. So he wound up moving to LA. We formed a band immediately called Blue Train, which immediately, which shortly thereafter became a band called Sherman. So Sherman, we, um, we got a, uh, we got a manager, Doc McGee and Doc McGee and his brother, Scott McGee. Doc McGee was the, the big guy there. And they were big for, uh, I mean, they managed Bon Jovi back in the day. They managed wow. Motley Crue. And um, so they were, big, they, were, they, were, they were known for those guys. And, you know, the stories I heard about Motley Crue, it's crazy. Oh. So, so Doc's brother, Scott, the tough little, tough dude, man. He's like my, I'm six feet. He was like six feet, six feet one, built kind of like me. But for a short while, he played, he played as a, uh, a receiver for the uh, Chicago Bears. So he was a tough son of a bitch. So when he retired from that, Doc hired him to come on board to be the tour manager for Motley Crue because nobody could control those dudes. They were so out of control. Well, like They'd a security guy or more. Yeah, like yeah. security guy. Like, he would have to, you know, he'd have to, he'd have to fist fight him. He'd have to beat him up. He said they were so out of control. He'd have to, he, he had to take handcuffs and he had to go and handcuff each of them to their bed so they wouldn't leave the hotel room. Because otherwise they'd miss the gig and you wouldn't see him for four or five days. They'd be up, you know, doing coke, doing heroin, and you know, I don't know if you've read the, I don't know if you read that Motley Crue book, The Dirt, but it's no, it's, I haven't. It's, it's great, you know. I mean, they're main, they were mainlining Jack Daniels just so they could come down from doing coke and oh heroin. Oh my three god, days. fucking hell! They were a little mess. That's anyway, a, that's insane. Yeah, how do you? Why do you think a lot of those bands and big time celebrities and get on Coke and heroin. Like, do they just fall into it? Is it just the surroundings? Is it the environment? You know what? I think it's a combination of it all, man, because Mm -hmm. there's such a, there's such a high, there's such a high when you get on stage and you perform for a lot of people. And, but that's only for like an hour or so a day. Right. Yeah. I know. Then you're left with all this downtime and, after you start touring and knowing towns and meeting people, everybody wants everybody wants to hang out with you. Everybody wants to party. Hey man, we're having an after party. Come on over. What's there? Anything you want, you know. And it was, you know, it's a lot of a lot of burning the candle at both ends. So yeah, I think what you said, all of those factor into the fact that you know, I think a lot of people are chasing that high from being on stage and getting you know getting that instant feedback. And that's why I love theater. That's why I love playing music because. It's an instant, there's instant feedback and, and, and an energy you get instantly from the crowd. So, yeah. So you and still so- you still play live now? Well, obviously, COVID probably doesn't. We don't because of COVID, but yeah. you know, I just recently, uh, six months ago, <clears throat> one of our first guitar players and and Sherman, him and I just reconnected, and so we uh, 
we started a little band. We got a little power trio we're doing. He's got a studio out uh, in Burbank that we play at. That's where my drums are now. And he also he also has a motorcycle. So we play music and ride motorcycles together. Oh, nice. So that's pretty cool. How did you get into that? Because I know you're a big, um, big into that. How did I get into into, into motorcycles? Motor- yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I haven't had a motorcycle. I hadn't had a motorcycle since I left New York. And I was talking to my wife a, a few years back and I'm like, God, I, I really want a bike. And she's like, well, she's like, well, what are you doing? She's like, get one, you know, <laughs> usually, cause usually I, you know, if I, if I think about something, I'm like, snap says, yeah, do it. Let's go after this. Get out. Yeah. She's like, get one. So I'm like, all right. I started researching bikes and, um, I wanted to get kind of a, an ad, adventure bike and a touring bike. So I wound up getting a, a BMW. It's a, a F650. It's kind of an on-road, off-road bike. So I can take it up. I can take it up in the hills and the mountains and go off road here around LA, go up to Big Bear, you know, go to Big Sur, up to PCH, Panga Canyon. I mean, I, I go all over, do a little, you know, moto camping, go out to Joshua Tree. So, uh, yeah, I kind of just fell in love with that the past couple of years. So, yeah, that's been fun. That's been a lot of that's, that's been a lot of fun. Oh, so, yeah. and I had I hadn't had time to do it because you know I was in the band. I was on the road a lot, man. I was you know we were gone two months at a time, three months at a time. We we're gone six or eight months out of the year a lot of the time. So you're touring different pubs and things like that, or what? Yeah, well, you know, dude, I toured. We toured with a lot of bands, man. I um, yeah, our our manager, our man, Doc McGee at the time, he was managing Kiss and he still does manage Kiss. So, you know, we'd go to the off, I'd, we'd go to the office to hang out. We'd go to office basically to get free lunch because we'd go, usually they'd order lunch. We'd hang out on the patio and smoke cigarettes and just hang out. No reason to be there. But then, you know, Paul Stanley would walk in and, you know, Paul Stanley being a black baseball cap with his ponytail pulled through his, through his cap, you know, no makeup on. He's got on a white t-shirt and jeans. He looks like he looked like he was like, you know, loading trucks for a living. Like, holy shit. <laughs> we go to parties and Gene Simmons would be in there. Gene Simmons is all right. Paul was, Paul was super cool. Paul was super oh, cool. Oh, yeah, I could imagine, yeah. But they also managed Blues Traveler and Hootie and the Blowfish. So I did a lot of tours with Blues Traveler and Hootie and the Blowfish. Uh, one of our best gigs, man. Um, we did a 4th of July at Red Rocks in Colorado. We opened up. It was uh, Sherman. Uh, with Ziggy Marley and Blues Traveler at Red Rocks. That was great. Wow. Uh, dude, we got to play a lot of great video. I got to play CBGB's in New York before it closed down. Uh, the Fillmore, wow. Fillmore up in San Francisco. Um, but we played, man, we played, we opened for everybody. I mean, uh, played with Willie Nelson, Los Lobos, the Jayhawks, nice. uh, Lucinda Williams, Dwight Yoakam. We used to have this thing. There used to be this thing we did once a month called Sweethearts of the Rodeo and all these different type. We were kind of a alternative country slash country, country alt band. You know, a lot of Steve Earle influence, Whiskey Town, Uncle Tupelo, Sunvolt, that kind of thing. Tom Petty, of course. Um, we used to go and uh, we'd do it like an all-star jam. We'd go in and just all night. we just like kind of switch musicians. These guys would go up and play a few songs. And, um so, so you yeah. you have an album that we can check out. Everyone can check out um, everything. Um, you know, on Spotify, yeah. So I le- I left the band. I left the band and like I left the band about ten years ago, maybe longer. Ten year, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I left the band. You know, 
argue argue with my lead singer who was you know one of my best friends but when you're on the road man yeah i can imagine 23 hours a day with everybody so you're like your brothers so you're loving each other and you're fighting each other and sometimes it's going to you know blows and sometimes it's saying some of the worst possible stuff Mm. and also you know the other half of the time it's you know, it's all love and like, you know, rehearsing and practice. What are we going to do tonight? We're going to improv. We're going to do a new song. We're going to throw a new cover in there and uh, do a special encore. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So we got to play a bunch of, bunch of, bunch of, bunch of cool gigs, man. I play, I, I think I've been to, I've been to every state, but uh, I've been to every state, but, 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 but three, every state, but three. I haven't, been to, I haven't been to, I haven't been to Hawaii. I haven't been to Alaska. And See, I I say that, but it's for Australia. I've only been I've been to every state, but there's only there's nothing compared to USA. I mean, Australia, Australia is huge, huge, right? I mean, yeah, but there's only like eight or nine states, you know, compared to fifty plus. Right? Yeah, it's <laughs> just wider, right? Yeah, exactly. You're, you're in um, well, are you in Melbourne? I'm in Melbourne, yeah, but but Melbourne is. Melbourne, there's about well in Australia, there's about twenty five mil, and I think there's just twenty five mil in LA alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? That that's the whole of Australia, twenty five. Um, so do you? Uh, what do you? Are you are you are you down? You live downtown? You live in the city? You live in the outskirts? Uh, about thirty minutes away from the city. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. Go go did, back. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, well, how did how did you get into? Have you always been a gamer? Like, how did you get how did you get into all this? Yeah, man, I've always been a gamer. Just um, ever since a young age, just picked up a PlayStation controller, and ever since then, and then you know, YouTube came out, and I got my feet wet into that, and then ever since then, I've loved it. So now I do it full time, which is pretty cool. But because um, I just That's tell really people, cool, you know, man. play games you're, for you're a living. Home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, work from home, play games for a living, but um, you you got to watch it. You got to get out there and get in the sun. Otherwise, it can be you know, um, you got to you just got to stay fit. That's that's what I say. Yeah, because I I can imagine like because when I lived in New York mm. and I was bartending, you know, in New York in the winter, the sun goes down at four o'clock. It's dark, so some of my bartending shifts. I wouldn't start till eight or 10 o'clock. If I was in a restaurant, they'd start earlier, six, seven. But some bars, you know, I wouldn't go until 10 o'clock. And bars were open till 4 a.m. there. They're, I mean, here out here, LA, they're only open till 2 a.m. Right. But they were open till four. So I'd be going to work at nine, nine thirty. We'd get out, we'd, st- we'd, we'd close the bar at four. We wouldn't get done counting the money and everything till five. So when would you get to then sleep? You're wired, you know? Then you're wired, you can't go to sleep. So, I was sleeping. So during the, I was turning into a vampire. <laughs> yeah. I was, sleeping, I was coming home, getting home at six, seven in the morning. Sometimes, sometimes later, sometimes, <laughs> eight, I was sitting, you know, but I'd wake up and it'd be dark, man. I was like, God, dude, something's got to change. So I can imagine being a gamer. I see a lot of these gamers, man, they're streaming all night long. Yeah. I can't do crazy. that. I can't, I can't do that. That's just great. Some of them do eight hours a day. I just couldn't do it. Um, but yeah, I yeah I try to get out as much as possible. Go on a hike, a walk, a run. Get to the gym. Just go out and see people. 
you know, yeah. and talk to people like you, mate, is always is always good. Um, so how was your 2020? How did, how did you find that year? Because um, you were working, yeah? You were, you were working or what? I found 2020 to be great because I had I had a so, I had a solid gig with with Call of Duty, man. Exactly. Um, yeah. The uh, the pandemic was was strange, you know. Mm. Wearing where you know wearing masks, you know, people scared not to go outside, and people were scared to go you know go anywhere. And uh, no. it, it was it was it was really it was really a strange really a strange time. So a lot a lot of adjustments and. You know, at first, it was kind of at first when it first hit, I kind of took it as a vacation. I was like, all right, I'm just gonna kick back. I'm gonna throw the grill on. Same as me, yeah. You know, throw the grill on out back, listen to some music, and it was like a vacation. And then it was like, all right, you can't you can't do this much longer. No. There was there was no work. There was work doing Call of Duty, but uh, there was no other work coming up. So I wasn't I wasn't auditioning a lot. Yep. And so it kind of became a it started to become like a groundhog day. How do you say So you yeah. you did most of uh woods from home? Yeah, well, yeah, well, I get a backstory like we when you go into audition uh I I got a random audition from my agent and it was the reason I say random is because I had had I've had video game auditions before and stuff but this one said it was performance capture and motion capture. And, you know, they're very tight with, they're very tight lipped. They keep everything close to the vest as far as, you know, what it is. So I had no idea what it was. It said something like, um, Zeus, was it a code? Was that the code Zeus? name? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. I'm glad you said it. Yeah. Is that out there? Are people saying that? Cause I don't know if I was, I didn't know if I, I think, was- yeah, I think, uh, Bruce told me that. Yeah. Did he? All right, yeah. cool. Well, Bruce, Bruce let it out of the bag, then I'll say yes. <laughs> Code name Zeus. So, um, and I got this audition, and it was for this lady, the casting director called Ivy Eisenberg, who's done Call of Duty forever. Yep. So I had to drive down to uh, to the Activision stage, you know, the volume where they actually shoot the performance capture. I didn't know. I didn't know it was so. I remember the, the description was like, you know, tough, smart ass sergeant, uh, kind of a cross between a, a young uh, Arlie Ermey and Jason Beggy. Wow. So I went over this uh, script for days and days. And like, I don't know why, for some reason, I just started, I, I really worked hard on it. And my wife, who's my biggest voice coach, you know, <laughs> she's my biggest critic and God bless her for it. She's also my biggest fan and I love her because she takes care of me. She's the best thing. I love you, Kristen. If you're listening. <laughs> uh, she was helping me with the lines. And so I memorized the lines and I started getting the blocking down for what I needed to do. And so I had to go down to Playa del Rey. Now, my audition was at four o'clock. So I'm thinking, God, at four o'clock, I live on the other side of town from there. So I'm like, all right, this is going to take me an hour and a half to drive down mm. to get there. And then I'm going to be done with the audition probably 4.30, 4.45. It's going to be an hour 45. So I'm like, man, am I, am I even going to go? And I was like, hell yeah, I'm still going to go. So I went, met, met Ivy. And, uh, you know, she sets up, she gets this tripod. She's got a camera. You're out of the stage. 
She's like, all right, this is what you're doing in this scene. You know, I'd researched it. I'm pulling out a map on this Jeep and I'm telling them, you know, we got to go in. We got to hit them hard. Is this by yourself? Yeah, Yeah, by myself. By myself. There's other people, you know, there's a guy I'm talking to in the scene. Yeah. So I'm doing, I did, I did it a couple of times with Ivy and she was smiling. She was good. So I was getting some good vibes. And I'm like, I just, I remember I looked at her and I go, I go, Hey, how about, I go, I go, what do you think about, um, let, let, let me do one straight in the camera. And, um, she's like, Oh, sure. Okay. So, um, I did one, I did one where I went straight in the camera and one, I was tied to this chair and I'm getting beat up. And um, that was probably my bet. I mean, that, was, that, uh, that may have been what got me the job because uh, that was a good take. And when I was leaving, she was really nice. And usually casting directors, they're like, all right, thank you. See you later. She was like, hey, there's a kitchen over here. You know, help yourself. Grab some food for the ride home. Grab a couple of drinks. You know, get yourself a soda. So you feeling know. good? Well, I felt I was like, wow, you know, casting directors usually don't pay me that much attention. Usually it's like, all right, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Later, she was like, oh, no, grab a drink, you know, grab some snacks for you, a couple of kind bars or whatever, power bars. And I was like, cool. So driving home, man, I was like, wow, I felt really good. I remember I called my wife. She was with some friends. I'm like, she goes, how'd it go? I go, I go, I just fucking crushed it. I go, I just, it was one of the best things I did because I, you know, and I'm, I'm thanking my wife because I thought I did such a good job. And anyway, got to a um, <clears throat> couple couple weeks go by and my agent starts calling me and emailing me and she's asking me, she's like, you know, these people from, it was actually, I think Raven at the time, but I'll say Activision, Activision or Raven. They were, they kept calling her and they're like, we can't find anything on this guy. They're like, you got to send it some information. And I'm like, I'm like, they got my, I said, they have my audition tape, right? Like, isn't that all they need? They're like, well, no, they can't find you on, you know, anything. I go, well, I'm not, I'm not out there, man. I, I don't do social media, so I don't have anything posted online. So she's like, all right, write up a brief thing, you know, write, give me, she, she goes, you got to give me something to give them. So I just wrote them basically what I told you. Hey, I started this band called Sherman. I, I trained in, in New York uh, at the American Academy. Yeah. I've always done music. I've always done acting. And, um, Basically, I took basically I took, you know, 15 years. I took 15 years off of acting because when I moved to L.A., you know, I started doing commercial stuff. But then my band, we got the manager. We got signed by William yeah, Morris. You can't do both. No. Yeah. And so yeah. I had to let the acting go because then we, we started hitting the road. Then we got a record deal with Vanguard Records. And so the next thing you know, we're on the road. So we're going to we started going to South by Southwest every year. You know, actually, funny story. First time, the first time I went to South, you know what South by Southwest is in Austin? All right. The first time we go, we go to, we go there. <clears throat> we went to, we went there. Um, we had no shows booked. We were just going to show up and play on the street corners and play <laughs> wherever we could. So we're driving into town and we're listening to local Austin radio and we hear they're interviewing Leon Russell and Willie Nelson. We're like, holy shit. And my buddy's like, oh, that's K. I don't know. I don't know what radio station was. Hey, that's KXP 94, whatever. So he goes, I know where that is. So instead of going to where we were staying at a friend's house, we drove straight there, park the van, walk out. Out comes this dude, big white beard. I don't know if you know Leon Russell. He was he was dressed in a white suit. He's got a sparkly black cane, big white beard. He walks out and gets in his white, white uh, Lincoln Continental. And then right as we're walking up to the door of the studio, 
Willie, Willie Nelson walks right up. And we're like, holy shit, man. We are such big fans of you. He was super cool, man. You know, of course, he's in his braids. He's got his bandana on. He's got his jeans on. He's wearing his, he's wearing his New Balance sneakers. He was known for wearing his New Balance sneakers. They were comfortable. So we took a picture. I got a picture on my phone somewhere. I'll show you. Uh, we took a That's picture awesome. with Willie. And we, 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 you know, we, we played around. We, we actually managed to get a few gigs uh, at a couple of bars who didn't have bands booked. And uh, after that, we started going, you know, every year. Wow. I don't know how we got on that. I don't know how we got on that topic. <laughs> it's it's called a good conversation. It never you never know where it's gonna go. So so you 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 booked this gig called the G. Right. And I mean, so when does it set in that this game is one of the biggest franchises of all time in the video well, game landscape? Uh, well, after I, you know, after back and forth with my agents, she's like, you know, you gotta send me something, give me a break, you know, give me something to give these guys. Yeah. And I said, all right, you know, so I sent him a, I sent him, I, I sent him a paragraph, basically what I described to you. I'm like, you know, been in music and uh, I left that. And now I had some buddies out here that were in voiceover that I went to school with in New York. And they're like, man, you should really, you should really try to get in a voiceover because my one buddy was doing a lot of ADR, Joe Capaletti. And he goes, you know, we got to ADR is where you go and it's like Walla Walla. It's where you go in and fill in the, all the background actors for the scene. Cause when they film it, you know, they're not, Nobody's talking. No one's talking. Yeah, yeah. So you got to be the guy. Pretend to be the extras. Yeah. Exactly. We're just mimicking because he's like, so it's all about timing. Goes, you're a drummer, man. You can definitely sync it up. He's like, you should do this. So he pulled me in and um, he got me a job. Uh, I was already in. I was already in SAG because years ago, before that. Oh, okay. I was an extra in this movie called uh, Six Days and Seven Nights with uh, Harrison Ford and Anne Hesh and. uh, I think David Swimmer was in it. Anyway, I got I got my SAG days by working on that for three days. So I was eligible to join SAG at the time. So I joined SAG and then um, I started taking started taking, you know, VO classes. And my buddy Joe Capaletti was starting his own company doing ADR for movies and films. And he got me a job on this show called Californication. So that was my real first SAG after a paying job, um, big paying job, not not big paying job, but big payday for you know a day getting a SAG rate. Oh know? yeah, yeah. And um, so then I just started hustling and going to going to workshops, uh, studying studying with Lee 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 Gilbert, who I did a who I did a, de- a demo my demo with. Uh, I studied with uh, Carol Day Kimball. Um, I studied with uh, Leanne Wisner. I studied. I studied with everybody. Yeah. So, I got an agent with uh, Arlene Thornton, and I was with her for a couple of years. Didn't didn't really book anything. She cut me loose, and then Carol Day Kimball actually hooked me up with this lady called Vanessa Gilbert. Vanessa Gilbert's been an agent, uh, you know, over thirty years here. She used to handle. Do um, uh, you know uh, Don LaFontaine is the voice of God? Oh wow. Yeah, he's a famous dude for all the. I mean, he did thousands and thousands of movie trailers. Like, he invented the line in a in world. world. Yeah, yeah. He invented yeah. that, right? So this dude worked kind of like he couldn't. This dude worked. He's got I mean, a mansion somewhere. Oh, dude! Uh, <laughs> he passed away. He passed away. I think in two thousand eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, rest his soul. But um, yeah, he, yeah, she managed him. So I got 
Uh, that's how I hooked up with Vanessa. Anyway, this Call of Duty thing I went and did with, so they wanted to, they wanted to, uh, they wanted more information. Finally, I sent him a little paragraph. Yep. And at the time, um, I was work. I would, I'd been working at a restaurant uh, for about five years. My restaurant was heading downhill, and it was about to close. I was, I was sick of the, the restaurant industry, bartending and waiting tables. And I'm like, I didn't know what I was going to do with myself. I'm like, I got to do something else. I don't want to, I don't want to wait tables anymore. No. So I'm like, I got my SAG card. Why don't I start doing extra work? So maybe I can get SAG, now SAG and AFTER have combined together. So SAG AFTER is one union. I said, maybe I can, maybe I can do extra work, get my wife and I, excuse me, bourbon, uh, get my wife and I some insurance and it'll allow me to still keep doing the voice stuff. So I was in the middle of doing this show. Um, I had been booked on the show, uh, HBO show called Perry Mason. Yeah. And did you see it? Yeah. Great. Dude, what a great show. Anyway, I was booked as a, uh, I had a lot of improv experience from New York. I was in improv troops and whatnot. Beer Can Comedy Club was one of them. Anyway, they booked me at a special rate to be a spirited congregate because a lot of these scenes were, you know, a lot of the scenes are shot in the church and there's these people, you know, Mm. going wild, you know, just going wild for Jesus. And so they wanted people with improv experience. So I worked on that. I mean, I think I did eight or nine episodes of that. So I was working on that show. I was sitting in a church pews between takes and I checked my phone and uh, I got a message from Vanessa. Hey, uh, Ivy, just send me an email. They want to, they want, they want you to, they they want you for the role. Wow. Um, They want you for the role. Still, still didn't know what role it was. Still didn't know what, (laughs) I still didn't know what game it was. Um, yeah. um, I knew it was a big game. I remember, I remember in church, it was like, wow, I teared up. I teared up, Did man. You? I was like, yeah. Oh, that's man. awesome, man. I teared up. I was like, oh shit, this is big. So yeah. then I started talking to Ivy and she told me it was call of duty. Didn't tell me my character yet. She goes, I'll email you in a couple of days. Basically, this is how it's going to work, Damon. You're on a, you're on a trial basis. Like, so the pressure was on. She's like, you're on a trial basis. Wow. You're going to come in. You're going to do performance capture. And if you do a good job, you're good, you know? But just so you know, shit. it's a trial basis. That's pressure. So, yeah. Then I was like, shit, I got it. I'm basically, I got to audition all over again. But I was, just, I was still ecstatic. So she sends me the lines. And then she tells me, you're this character. It's all top secret. I couldn't tell anybody, you know, it's called Zeus. You're doing a character who's been in the game for a while. His name's Frank Woods. This is all the information I could give, give to you about him. I got this sheet over here. I'll show it to you. It looks like it's funny. It looks like this. It's a picture of Woods, right? Wow. Okay. And all it says is uh, the passionate soldier. He's six feet tall, 190 pounds. Brown hair, blue eyes. He was born in 1930 in Philadelphia. <laughs> you know, and then it goes on. Yeah, he was uh, in the Korean War as a soldier. He was a good fighter. Then he was recruit- recruited by the CIA. So wow. basically all that's all the information I had. So Ivy sends me the sides for the first day of shooting. I get a call sheet uh, to go to Activision. And that's uh, 
Raven was handling that. So Raven had flown in from uh, Madison, Wisconsin. They had flown in. So I went in, I studied my lines. Ivy casting director, she's like, hey, if you want to, you want to come into my office, I can, you know, cut cut some time for you. You want to come in and run lines and maybe rehearse? And I'm like, hell yeah, I want to come in and run some lines. Like this shit's <laughs> off the line. I'm going to have to do something here. So I went in and rehearsed with her and then I went to the stage and um, wow. the first day, the first day, you know, we suit up. Um, uh, that's when I first met Bruce Thomas. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, how do I know? I'm like, how do I know Bruce Thomas? And then I realized I'd seen him in a Fairly Brothers movie. And what the hell is it called, man? Fairly Brothers not, movie. Not, was- not Legally Blonde or Hall Pass. Not those two. Hall Pass. It was Hall Pass? Yeah. Yes, it was Hall Pass, you know, where he plays He plays the uh, – he's the, he's the baseball coach. They're yeah. in uh, – there in uh, in Cape Cod. Oh, so you recognized him from that, and you're thinking, where I recognized where are those guy? And then I told my my wife, and uh, I told somebody else, and they're like, oh, they're like Bruce Thomas, like, oh, dude, he's a, he's an old soap act actor. I'm like, really? Like, they're like, you're gonna work with him? You know? I was like, yeah. So I go and meet Bruce. Could have been cooler. Mm. And I'm like, dude. Then I, then I hear then I hear his voice. I'm like, holy shit. Oh, yeah. I mean. You know, it's one of those dudes, and I'm sure you've heard this. It's one of those dudes you'd you'd listen to him read the fucking phone book because (laughs) it's just whiskey and cigarettes, cigarettes, and it's smooth. And he's got you know, he's got he's got so much experience in games, right? Like how many you know you you've seen him in games, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he does all the mocap for Halo, which is another big franchise. yeah, for sure. And Matt, he's in Matt, Gears and yeah, he's mocap in- Master Chief, right? Oh yeah, yeah. People don't understand that's a big gig, but yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, what was it like working with the crew? You got Lily and and oh, um, wow. Reggie. I mean, Dude, you guys are all such a tight tight crew, which was what I loved. We're really we're really a tight crew. Yeah. Um, we have a we have a group text we send around. We haven't been doing it so much lately. Everybody's doing other stuff now, but. For a solid year, like we were group texting each other, like you know, not a solid year, but I'd say a solid six or eight months. We were, we were texting each other, you know, every day somebody had sent something, we laugh and make jokes. And um, so we're on. So I'm on stage with Bruce the first day, and I'm just sitting there. We get we get geared up in our mocap stuff. So we're you know we're in our suits. You know what this? You know what they look like? Yeah, the suits. yeah. In the suits, we got the headgear on, and um. Basically, uh, I watched Bruce. We had to, we had to do these lines. We had to do these lines, and uh, we're like, "All right, Bruce, we're gonna go first. So I sat. I'm just sitting there on the side of the stage like this, watching Bruce do his lines. And he has this big monitor um, with his lines on him, and um, he's just doing. He's just he's just reading his lines, real confident, real precise. And I was like, "Holy shit, man!" And I was like, I was blown, I was blown away. Mm. And, you know, he walked off and we laughed and I'm like, dude, I'm like, you know, great job. We slapped hands. And he goes, he goes, he's like, that's how it's done, kid. You know, and he kind of winked at me. You know? <laughs> uh, that's how it's done, kid. Right. And I was like, oh, shit. You know, he was, he was joking. Yeah. Um, I went out there and did mine and I did, I did the first couple of lines. And that's when Raven was there. And um, he was like, Bob Love was directing at the time. He actually, he, he left. And, uh, Martin McBain, 
Eric, uh, Eric Schultman, I think it was named. I think it's Eric Schultman and Jeff Scoobel. Jeff Scoobel worked for Raven. He does, he's like an actor. He's a performance capture guy. He did a lot of performance capture for this. Um, he was actually sitting in for Mason because Mason wasn't cast yet. So really? during our, during that Ronald Reagan scene where we're sitting around, He's actually, uh, Jeff Scoobel was playing Mason in that. Oh, really? This is a little yeah. easter egg. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you another, one of the other first scenes we shot, you know, you know, in the campaign when yeah. Adler, Adler and Mason are in the bar and the Dutch police officer comes in for the payout. Well, Mason wasn't cast. So they asked me, they're like, will you stand, you mind standing in and uh, doing Mason in the scene? I'm like, hell no. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'll do, I'll do anything, man. Put me in, I'll do anything. So I'm actually, I'm, I actually did the mocap. Oh, really? Mason, yeah. <laughs> How funny. Well, yeah. So, yeah. So when did he come on board, Chris? Because you guys have got, you guys have got a great chemistry, which is what those two needed, you know. Well, Chris, Chris came on, Chris came on super late. I don't know what, I don't know what, I don't know what took him so, I don't know what took him so long to. Yeah. I don't know what so long to cast cast mason i actually read for mason you know they sent me wow ivy decides to read for mason but um <clears throat> that obviously didn't work out i don't know if you know this but i originally i originally booked the role of park <laughs> <laughs> i guess i yeah. guess they thought lily is a little better looking than me so <laughs> oh shit yeah but the game Dude, the gang on stage. So then, of course, I meet Bruce, and then um, then we're doing a scene, and me and Bruce were doing a scene, and in come uh, Damon Dayub and Reggie Watkins, and they're standing, they're watching us, they're in street clothes, and um, and I'd seen him on a call sheet, and I saw another dude named Damon. I'm like, it's really rare, you know. When I was young, it was really rare to see another Damon. But to be on the same set with a dude as Damon was really weird. So I remember walking over, hey, what's up? My name's Damon. He's like, my name's Damon. Hey, what's up? Reggie. And uh, dude, we, we hit it. We hit it. We hit it off. I mean, those guys are amazing. Um, but it really so translates. It really translates in the game. You can tell. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's good, man. Thank you. That's, that's, mm. that's, 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 that's nice to hear. It's really nice to hear. Yeah. Like, especially you and Chris, even though the fact that, you know, he came in late, so that is surprising to me. Yeah. Well, me and Chris, me and Chris, you know, he was one of the last guys. So we we did a lot of mocap before Chris Chris was actually coming in. But mm. the that's, what I mean. uh, that's why it's the so safe. So the safe house scene, um, that's where Chris first showed up. Oh, yep. And you know we we were all instant pals. We were all instant pals. You so know, is that for- you fist bumping him? Do you remember that scene? Yes. And I remember him and I talked about that. He go, you know, we're like, what, what should we do with this? Cause that's that, that's one of, that's what, that was one of my favorite lines. I was like, I think we're sitting there at a safe house and, uh, and I'm like 20 bucks for the first person who takes him down. And Lazar goes, who Castro or Perseus? And I'm like, whoever, you know? Yeah. And then Chris and I, I, I just do this. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you know, cause at first we were like, yeah, we're like, Dude, let's do. I'm like, we were trying to figure out. Let's do something here. Boom. Let's high five. Nah, that's a bit too much. He goes. He goes. Why don't you just? He goes. Don't look at me. He goes. Stick your fist up, and I'll fucking blind you like this. So I did this. 
He did that fist bump. So yeah, instant yeah. friends with everybody. Lily, amazing dude. She's one of the dudes, you know, and because she's a girl, she could get away with saying some more crass stuff on our <laughs> Oh, because there's no worry of her getting in trouble. Me, I'm worried I'm going to get in trouble and overstep my lines. <laughs> Not that I'm going to get canceled because I'm not big enough to get canceled at all. I know um, what you mean, though. Yeah. But she's, she's one of the dudes, man. She's one of the dudes. She's funny as hell. She's Got awesome. A ton of stories. Great actress. And um, a Piot, dude. Have you interviewed Piot? No. Oh, so Piot, you know, Piot plays Hudson. I know. I have, to, I have to get him on. Yeah. Dude, this guy. He's like a jukebox. This guy can mimic anybody's voice. Really? You, you, name, it. you name it, he does it. Man. He nails it as Hudson, I'll tell you. Sir Richard Attenborough nails it. <laughs> Steve Buscemi nails really? it. Jeff, Jeff Goldblum effing nails okay. it, dude. He's so on it. He was doing he was on he was doing the Kimmel show. He was doing Rudy Gi- Giuliani <laughs> on the Jimmy Kimmel show. Dude. He's and he's, he's so he's so funny and just on it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Pia was a. You had the one scene with him, didn't you? Where you, um, that exchange outside the face. Where I jump out of the car and punch him. Yeah. Is that mocap? That was, that was mocap, dude. Yeah. That was a fun. And I'm sure you've heard the story. Mocap, you know, you're in this thing. You're in a huge stage, and it's called it's called the volume in, yeah. in the mocap world. I call it a stage. Basically, you know, there's like 220 cameras. So you're captured 360 degrees, right? And then you have, there'll be three, like three camera operators on tripods with wheels moving around as well. Around what your was seat. guys manning them? Guys manning really? the cameramen. Wow. Sometimes two, sometimes three. And um, that was really cool because, you know, it's bare bones on there and you're, you're mimicking a lot of things. So... It, I mean, you probably heard this, but it brought me back to my my theater days in New York. You know, you're familiar with what black box theater is? It's where no whole, whole stage is painted black, and you have maybe two or three different boxes painted black. So, and you're dressed in black as the actors. So you go on and perform. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. You're, yep, you're mimicking. So instead mm. of taking a sip of a drink, you know, like this. You're doing it like this, like you're miming. You have to mime a lot of this stuff. So we're not sitting. In, we're not sitting in jeeps. We're not sitting in helicopters. We're sitting on boxes, and our doors are these these C stands. These C stands would like have a tennis ball, and that's how you'd open the door. That's how like I'd be sitting on a box. And we roll up in that when we roll up in that scene, and Bruce is driving, and Chris is in the back, and we're going to you know see uh, see Hudson. I jump. I jump out of the car. You know, run up to Hudson and punch him. You know, I just push this C stand out of the way and step off this box and run around and go up and punch him. Isn't it funny? But you know, things are the cameras that stick out from your face here. You got these bright lights shining back on you, so you got to stay. You know, it sticks out here, so it sticks out that much for Piot. So him yeah. and I are this far apart, and so I have to mind punching him without a hitting my gear and not hitting his gear, and then turn my head to the side. And he has to turn his head this way so we can get close enough so I can grab him and throw him against but the you, wall. You didn't actually grab him, or you do? Oh, I did grab oh, him. Did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he pissed me off, and you know he was so talented, I was pissed at how talented he was. <laughs> so it was method acting. Yeah, 
Uh, no, dude, he, he, he was great. So, yeah. yeah, so that all has to. So you do the blocking for that several times. And like I said, everything's pantomime. That was great, man. The crew was great. And oh, yeah. we actually we got fortunate enough that like, all right, we're going to we're going to get you rolling. And um, Raven, I had been doing I would stay after rehearsal to work with Jeff Scoobel because he was the mil- he was a military tactical military guy as well. So I wanted to get I've I've handled a couple of guns in my life, but I'm no professional and I don't know how to walk proper with the with the gun in your crease, how to pull it up. So, so you guys, I would stay you guys got training, didn't you? We we did. Yeah. We did. So if the first PCAP sessions down here with Raven, I'd stay after and these guys would like shoot a scene and Jeff Scoobel and I would go in the back room and he would like, all right, let's pick up a weapon. And he'd teach me, he's like, all right, put it here and crouch. And we would work for, we say stay after, I'd stay after for an hour and a half, two hours, just working on guns with him, man. And he was like, yeah, he's like, I really want to get you guys, you know, to work as a team and learn how to like go in and clear a room. And I'm like, let's do it. I mean, again, I'm up for anything, please sign <laughs> me up. Love this work. So cut two, man, they invited, Raven invited us to go to uh <clears throat> They invited us to, to their headquarters in Madison, Wisconsin in January. It was last January, so just over a year ago. So we went up there for four days. Wow. Uh, freezing ass cold, but it was fun, man. And uh, we just walking into Raven was amazing. Seeing how many people just at Raven. We're, I mean, we're not even we're not even involved in Tre- Treyarch. I haven't even dealt with Treyarch yet. But walking in there, seeing how many people are in this building. Coding and everything, like- yeah. There's 300 people. Wow. Here's a section. All these guys are doing are working on skins. All these guys are doing are working on weapons. Then you walk to another Fire, thing, yeah. you know, two levels up and down. And there's, there's all these young, there's all these young gamer kids that work for them. And they're all in there drinking their, their Red Bull and their Rockstar or whatever. All they do is play Call of Duty all day long. And test. Test. Look for glitches. Look for, hey, man, I can walk through this wall. Yeah. If I walk over here, I'm hidden. Nobody can see me. But that's all they do all day long. But that's I'm how like, you achieve the polish, like, because this game, there was barely any glitches in that campaign. You know what I mean? That's how they do it. You know what I mean? I, 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 it's amazing. It's amazing, so yeah. I'm, I, It's nice to hear that there weren't that many glitches. No, Although not at all. I heard, about a lot, I, I heard about a lot of glitches, but, you know, you hear every little thing. Oh, my oh, God. I mean, yeah. Oh, the skill-based matchmaking and all this, oh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've heard about like, that, that's for sure. <laughs> no, matter, no matter, you know, no matter what they do, they're gonna get they're gonna get some they're gonna get feedback. How so we went, we went did this military training up there at Madison, man. Yeah. And it was me and Bruce and Dee Dee, which is Damon and Reggie, and Jeff Scoobel and uh God, his partner. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name right now. But we were training. We were training eight hours a day. Now, wow. These these M16s, they have a stage there too. It's much like the volume at Activision out here, but probably about half the size. So, dude, they had they threw guns in our hands, and these guns, heavy. They're not heavy. They're not as heavy as the real guns, but they weigh twelve to fifteen pounds. So toting these things around we're going in learning how to clear rooms together 
Somebody's going forward. You got somebody on the flank on the left, somebody on the right, somebody walking backwards, you know, making sure nobody's coming back out of the hall. So we're going through, we're setting up mazes. We're jumping around, dude. It was, I mean, it was great. It's like being, it's like being a kid, you know, yeah. when you set up a court in your, in your, uh, in your living room with your cushions. So and, what, uh, what's this cheese story I keep hearing from some of your um, crewmates? <laughs> <laughs> So one night, one night we go out. One night we go out to dinner, and we had a re- reservation for about seven o'clock or whatever it was. And um, so we go to the bar, order some drinks, and uh, we're all rapping. And there's this one dude down. There's this one dude down at the, end of the bar. He he's talking to the bartender. So I'm like, I look over and I'm like, you know, I know restaurants. I'm like, this guy, you know, he knows the bartender pretty well. He must be a, you know, he must be a, a regular, local. And uh, so I start, I start rapping with him and uh, he's like, oh man, he goes, uh, yeah, he goes, I'm, he goes, I'm the cheese purveyor uh, for the, for this guy, for these guys. I'm like, no shit. And uh, he goes, yeah, he goes, try some of this. And he hands me this tub of cheese. And he, what he, what he does is he orders these, these uh, special fries they have, they have fries. So he's taking a fries and he's dipping them in these cheese. And it's like an herbed, I think it was like an herbed goat cheese. I can't remember exactly what I'm like, dude, I go, that's Awesome, man. So I sit there and rap with him. Like, yeah, I drop by. He goes, I live about. He goes, I live about sixty miles out of town. But these guys, these guys hire me to bring their cheese. You know, once a week or whenever they need it. I'm like, cool. I go, so you sell it? He goes, yeah. He goes, I go. Is there any way I can get some? And he goes, I got some in my trunk. And I'm like, in your trunk? (laughs) I'm like, you don't have that shit in the fridge? He's like, dude, you know. Meanwhile, there's, there's six or eight inches of snow on the ground outside. So he doesn't need a fridge, right? Yeah. So uh, he goes, I'll be right back. He comes back in with a tub of cheese. I handed him five bucks. And I'm like, dude, you got to, I, I go bartender. I go, give me two give me two orders of those fries. I open this up and these dudes are looking at me like I'm crazy. Like Dee Dee and <laughs> Reggie and Bruce. I'm like, you got to try this stuff. So <sighs> amazing. So they, they, they made it sound like I bought cheese off of, off the street from some, you know, dude. But the dude was the, you know, purveyor for the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Far out. But so how did you? That was, how, that was a great bonding time. Oh, it all, it all, it all helps. I think. How did you come up with the voice? Was that the first? Like, was that the first voice you ever did in the audition? That's yes. That that's uh, that speaking that speaking about luck of the draw. That's the voice that I came up with. Uh, Isn't that amazing? When I, got, when I got the sides, I'm addicted to ginger beer right now. You're familiar with Bundaberg, this one, yeah? So is my girlfriend right. for some reason. Oh, sorry. Is it bad memories? No, no, no. no. It's just a random, a random fact. She's just um, on the ginger beer at the moment. I, I, I'm, a, I'm on a ginger beer at the moment. I mean, I drink everything: cock and bull, Jamaica's finest, carrots. <laughs> uh, there's another one called Fint Fintimins, made out of England. It's really good. Shit. And um, my wife buys me Reeds, 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 because Reeds has got good ingredients. My wife's a real late. I call her a label reader because she's so, extremely healthy. So is mine. Yeah. Is she? Yeah. Well. So yeah, basically, I drink Reeds, and um, and I drink some zero uh, Virgil's root beer. Anyway. Yeah. So back to how did I come up with Voice of Woods? Yeah. Basically, I took that, and of course, I knew who, you know, Arlie, 
Ar- Arlie Ermey was, you know, from Full Metal Jacket. I'm like, God, this dude's just a tough, raw badass. But it said a younger version of him. And then I looked up some Jason Beggy stuff. And I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he was on that show, Californication. And now he does all those shows, like all the Chicago shows. There's like a Chicago Fire and yeah. Chicago. He does all those. So, was, so I listened to his voice and I tried to do my version of that. And by luck of the draw, and I think it was luck of the draw, I sounded close to what, you know, James was doing. Mm. And of course I've taken, of course, I, of course, you know, I, I've got, I've got, I've gotten, of course I've gotten heat for being like, Oh man, you, you know, you copied this guy. Well, you know, if, if it sounds like that, I guess it sounds like that. It wasn't, it wasn't intentional, but even when we were in the, even when we, we were going through the, the, uh, the VO stuff, mm. and, uh, which is when, it, you know, during pandemic and we were doing all VO at this point, Amanda Wyatt was directing and, uh, <clears throat> I'd be on a Zoom call like this with seven. There'd be seven people on there, some writers. <clears throat> Amanda Wyatt, who's amazing, who's directed everything. Uh, Dan Lawfer from Treyarch. <clears throat> Funny, he lives two miles from me, and we've never met because of the pandemic. <clears throat> <clears throat> wow. So, you know, basically, uh, they liked they liked the voice that I was doing, and it was yeah. It wouldn't let me. I wasn't allowed to. I wasn't allowed to go and research this. I did look up scenes and, you know, one of my, fa- a couple of my favorite scenes, you know, uh, that James did, like when they do the Russian roulette scene. Yeah. I mean, that's my favorite. Yeah. Does it get better than that? That's just such a badass scene. Mm. And the other scene I really like, and I can't remember cause I don't know. Cause I never played it. Yeah. The only call of duty I ever played is the one where he's sitting at the bar. Yeah. That's dudes the, come in. That's the opening scene. Yeah. And he's what? That's the opening scene of the first game, I think. Yeah. Is it where he sta- he stabs the guy in the hand, right? I think so. He yeah. Stab- yeah. He yeah. stabbed the guy through the hand and like it stabs stabs into the bar, and then they start just they start yeah. just kicking at us. Yeah. I was like, oh, dude. So yeah, so I did tap in and I, I watched I watched some scenes. Um yeah. but go ahead. What's what's that like? Like taking on a role like that when you know it's been established before, you got to put your own little spin on it. Is it daunting for you? Is it is it a challenge? Is it what? How did you how did you um, find it? Uh, cha- challenge challenging for me because it was my first. It was the biggest thing. It was the biggest thing I've ever done. I'd ever done. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> biggest gig I've ever booked. And I was like, wow, Call of Duty. This is worldwide. I'm like, holy shit, this is real. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Oh, um, yeah. It was daunting for that reason. <clears throat> and <clears throat> going through these things with you know with Amanda, you know, we would talk about, and I had to repeat some lines, you know, that James had already done. And she would be like, "All right, hang on," and she would she would tell me what scene it was. She put it on. She put it on mute. She'd listen to it, and she'd go, "Okay, try the line," and then she'd give me a little adjustment. So I was like the first, the first, the first time I went into Formosa, which is the studio Formosa, Formosa Interactive, where we were recording, they put this little, it's like a beanie cap on you with these two little mics. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you have freedom, you have freedom to move around. I'm very physical. 
So I'm like, I got freedom to move around. Cool. I got my ginger beer set up over here. I've got my paper cow. You know, you know what paper cow is. It's kind of a, it's, a, it's low quat and honey. Yeah. Your voice. I've got throat coat tea, bottles of water. You'd need yeah. it, I reckon, for that voice. You do, especially <laughs> the way, especially the way I, I would yell. Yeah. So the first time I was in with Amanda Wyatt, she's like, "Yeah, you're free to free to move." So I took my shoes off. I took off my belt buckle, any kind of jewelry hat. Took off anything so there wouldn't be any noise. So I had my socks on the thing. So I'm acting like I'm carrying my guns. I'm running. I'm running. I'm jumping. I'm rolling. I'm getting on down on the ground. And I'm coming up and they're like, okay, that's fantastic. But Damon, you can't, you can't come up to the glass. I was going, all, <laughs> I was going, I was going all the way up to like the glass. Like once you get to the glass, dude, the sound starts backing off. So we love, we love, love the enthusiasm, but pull it back, pull it, pull it back. Like, so I toned it down where I had like a five or seven foot radius of movement. Yeah. Um, Far out. Yeah. That was the first time we went in. Um, so we did Formosa a few times. And then, you know, we were about to start knocking out more performance capture, motion capture. And the pandemic hits. And I was like, yeah, shit, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I I figured, well, I didn't figure, but I thought I'm like, maybe, maybe, maybe this is canceled. Maybe, maybe, really? maybe it's on. Really? That go through your mind? Well, that went through my mind, because, but... I don't know how Activision works. Now I know how they work. I mean, this is a this is a big this is a big. They haven't company. missed a game in a while. You know what I mean? They don't. They don't miss a beat, dude. I mean, they're gonna be a nuclear war. They're still gonna put out a Call oh, of Duty, mate. It's unbelievable. They they actually are great. Like it's unbelievable how they do it. Super cool. Yeah. So at the time, my agent was. I was so I was in the I was in the midst of setting up. My agent was on me to set my home studio up. So <clears throat> I was getting that set up and it just happened to be that time. I soundproof a, a closet. I have the sliding doors. My wives and I, you know, clothes hung on two different racks. So basically what I do is I come and take out half of these clothes, half of these clothes, the shoes underneath. And then I soundproof the buy sound, I put padding on the bottom inside of the glass doors. Oh, so you changing it every time or is it there? Is it permanent now? No, it's it's there. It's permanent. Okay. It's permanent, man. It's yeah, yeah. You know, I went in with that. I went in with that that uh, powerful sp- spray glue, and sprayed the back of the panels, and I paneled the back of both of the sliding doors. Yeah, wow. So when I go close, it's paneled. I also did, I did the floor, and then I did the wall because I have a sh- luckily I have a shelf I have a shelf in there that's about this wide that actually fits my laptop with my uh, interface <clears throat> and uh, you know, I had a light and a hanger for my script in there. So it I would get hot in there as well. Dude. Especially with woods lines, you know, you know, yeah, they're physical, you know? Yeah. So they're so physical and um, they're so physical. And I came out, you know, I started out, you know, I came out really hot out of the gate, you know, you, know, you yeah. look, you look back at some of the first stuff we shot. I'm like, all right, you know, I could have toned that back a little bit, which I don't know if you noticed, but I noticed in the game when I have regular lines, my voice sounds more, it sounds more real and down to earth. The, the performance, at least I feel my performance is better because I'm not pushing so, so damn hard. You know, I felt like 
the first few times I was coming out of the gate is I was trying to impress people. I was trying to hang on to a job. And I really wanted this tough, sarcastic, smart ass son of a bitch to come come across. And um, so as I looked at, look back, if I look back at my performance, yep, the, the more we did, the more I settled into it. And I was able to like, you know, get get it, get his voice, get get the voice down to where yeah, it's real and believable. So did you do the Warzone stuff recently? Like that season two cutscene? You know, that one with Naga and yeah, when we're the, the new one, the, the, uh, where I, I come out of the helicopter yeah. in the tank. Yeah, that was, um, I recorded that. Actually, I went in, I went into Formosa to record that because oh. what they were doing, they were shipping me, Activision was shipping me kits because they wanted to keep the mics the same, the same as we were using. Um, not everybody did this. I think Bruce used his own microphone. And I'm not sure if Piat did or not, but they wanted to send me the kits to keep them to keep them consistent with what I was doing on the stage. So I'd get a kit, and you couldn't you couldn't touch it for 24 hours, supposedly because of COVID. Then uh-huh. I'd open up the kit. There'd be a little three channel mixer. It has a little SD card that you record on. It's got three channels coming out. Uh, plug my mics into it. Right. Plug it into my computer. So we're recording on this chip inside of the mixer. We're recording over Zoom, like you and I are. Yeah. And we're also recording over Source Connect. So there's three different wow. recordings in case something, in case something, you know, in case something goofs up. Yeah, right. Um, so um Yeah, no, that's that's that was, so that, that that was cool. So they send me a kit and some some weeks it would be I'll send you, I'll bring you a kit Monday, Tuesday, open it up, set it up. Tuesday night, we'll do a test to make sure it works. And then we'll record, we're going to record Wednesday. So some days I'd get it and I'd record just Wednesday. Some days I'd keep the kit, I'd record Wednesday and Thursday. Some days I'd go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Sometimes I'd do two days and they'd be like, keep the kit because you're coming back and coming back next week anyway. So just keep the kit. Yeah, right. And inside the kit, there's also, you know, they send you a, a pack of 100 Lysol wipes so you can wipe everything down. Uh, Stay safety worry about protocol. Yeah. Stay first. That's right. Yeah. Um, but for that last cut, that last cut scene you're talking about, that last for season two, I actually went in because I'm like, <clears throat> they're like, do you want us to send you a kit? <clears throat> I'm like, well, are people coming to the studio? They're like, dude, the studio's clean. We have this thing. I don't know. It was called like an ionizer or something. They had an ionizer. They sprayed it all down. Everything was clean. Uh, there's only one other person, and he's in a different room. Uh, the, the, the control guy, and you're gonna be on. You're gonna be on the big screen, just like you are here with uh, Dan Lawfer and Amanda Wyatt. And you know, most of those things, uh, recording most of those because the, uh, performance capture. Those are eight-hour days. Yeah. Voice four hours. Well, voice is four hours. A lot of the stuff I did because it's yelling and stuff. I did a lot where it was just two hours because, you know, we go to, they're different. They're different levels. Mm. They're different levels. You know, there's level one, there's level two, there's level threes, you know, and when you're in combat, you're going, you're going level four and, you know, that's straining on the voice. And Amanda, Dan were super cool. They're like, how you doing? So 
um, <clears throat> I'm like, I'm great. But let's keep going. Oh, really? Yeah. Looking at paper cow, like, yeah, I do it. Taking breaks, you know, they make sure like every hour they give me a, every hour you get a 10 or 15 minute break every hour regardless. So you can use the bathroom, pound some water. Back to your question. Did I sweat? Dude, I lost weight in that thing, man. I lost <laughs> weight. Oh my God. I was sweating, oh dude. I could I come out, dude. I was just pouring my shirt drench. I'd have to I take my shirt off, throw it, I put another shirt on, come back in to finish the session. Right. But um this so, so super 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 cool, man. Super, super cool. So when did you realize that the uh the onion line took off on the internet? <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, you guys had a lot of fun at my expense over that, right? No, I wouldn't say that. But. <laughs> oh, it's cool, dude. I, I would. I'm I, glad. I love the line personally. I'm happy to. I'm happy. To, I'm happy to uh, provide some. I want to make people laugh, dude. I love making people oh, laugh. I'm glad. I, I find it so funny. At my, at my expense, I didn't know about it for a while because I didn't join social media until I kind of got talked into joining social media because of this game. Yeah, and I've been off social media my whole life for a reason. I'm like, it's not for me. And the Facebook thing, I'm like, I don't care what people are eating for breakfast. I don't care if they get up and like, oh, look what my dog's doing. Yeah, no, I, I understand I, it, man. I really do. Um, and hey, nothing wrong with people who do it, man. Yeah, it's just that people who do it well. Like my boy, my boy Reggie, dude, he is on it like crazy. I don't know how he he's he got more. In, he's got he, he crushes it. He crushes it. And he talks to everybody. He does this new thing called Clubhouse where he's going to talking to people. He got me involved in Clubhouse. I'm signed up on Clubhouse. I've never used it. <laughs> I kind of got I kind of got coaxed into like they're like, dude, you need to be out there. And I'm thinking, like, of course, I'm thinking about to what, you know, Ivy and my Ivy had said, she's like, You're not out there. She's like, nobody knows who you are. She's like, you got to get on this social media stuff. I'm like, all right, fine. Yeah. So I had the social media manager kind of help me out. And uh, it was just too much for me, man, because she was wanting me to post. She was great. Mary Simmons Media. If you need help, Mary Simmons is the best. Love her. Uh, uh, so she was helping me. She was like, all right, we're going to try to do we're, we're, we're going to post Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're going to post Monday through Friday. I'm like, really? OK, what? What are we going to post? She's like, just pictures of you, your wife. You on a ski trip, you on a motorcycle trip, uh, you drinking coffee. I'm like, what? Okay. Of course, me is Frank Woods, the game. When that started rolling, then I started posting the videos that come out, the trailers that would come out. <clears throat> so I did that and it, uh, I did that for a couple months and it was just, it just wasn't, it's not, not, not really my thing. And again, no, nothing against people who do it. I think it's great. People do it for business. I think, it, I think it's fantastic. I think it's fantastic. So how did I, this is a long winded dude. I know you keep asking me a question and we go off. Wait, I love it. I love it. Back to the onions thing. <clears throat> I didn't know about the onions thing until I didn't know how I found out about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. I think it was on Twitter. Something's like uh, somebody, somebody tweeted something on Twitter and uh, I'm an onion. So I see these onion things start showing up and then. Uh, it's just so ridiculous. Of yeah, course, you know, uh, of course, the people make they're making fun of it. I'm like, you know, great. And I'm like, dude, dude, did you they're like and people started they're like, did you write that line? And I'm like, I don't think so. And I went back and looked at the script. And no, I, I did not. I, I wasn't one. Of, I did improv a lot. But 
I did not improv that line. Yeah. And I, I wish I wish I could take I wish I could take credit for it because <laughs> all the traction it got and all and all, and all the heat you guys gave me for it. Oh, dude, I, I didn't give you heat. Come on. Dude, it's all, it's all <laughs> art, any art, music, uh, you know, film, theater, video game, you whatever you put out in the world, art subjective, man. People some people are going to like it, some people are going to hate it. And People that are mad that you know that I, I'm playing Frank Woods, dude. I can imagine, dude, if I had a character in a movie, like you know, uh, I don't know. Yeah, you can see it from the other side. Is that what you mean? Like, state, like, imagine State of Grace. You know, st- the movie State of Grace. I don't know mm. if you ever saw it. Sean Penn, Ed Harris, John Turturro. Um, uh, John Turturro's in it. John C. Riley's in it. Robin Wright is in it. If they were to do that, like a sequel, and they replaced a few people, you know, I'd probably go bananas. One of my favorite bands, if they replaced the drummer for Zeppelin, I would freak. If they replaced the drummer, Levon Helm, one of my other favorite drummers, if they replaced him, I'd lose my I'd lose my mind. But you know, the Clash, do you know the how Clash, I- one of my favorite bands, if they replaced Topper Heaton as the drummer, I would absolutely lose my mind. And I would, you know, I'd be one of these people that would be super pissed so i can i can totally understand the backlash i get it i i look at it like someone you know like batman where how many people have played batman you know everyone has their own interpretation i think it's the same for call of duty there's good they'll probably be you know in 50 years time there'll be another woods do you know what i mean it's these characters will live on that's how i look at it personally right um and everyone can have their own interpretation but no, I, yeah, I'm I'm wondering how many messages and tweets and things you got on that onion thing. I mean, it just blew up. It just. Well, I think I, for some reason I caught it late because. So, so funny. That was when I was starting to like not, because I had to, I was on it every day for a while. And it was just like Too much? soaking up. It was still soaking up my time. I'm like. I'm starting to search things that I don't care about. I'm looking at people, like I said, I'm looking at people's, oh, here's my dog in the snow. Isn't this cute? It is cute. But do I need do I need to get sucked down this rabbit hole? Because I watch that and then it takes me to something else. And next thing you know, I'm watching <laughs> somebody teaching me how to cook a lasagna. You know, it, it, it's just, it's bizarre. Yeah. But dude, hats off to, to, to everybody who, uh, who, who, who does it. I mean, if you can make a living doing that, man, that is fan- that's fantastic. Good on you. Well, thank you, man. Um, what was your what was your favorite scene? You personally, which which scene do you go? Yeah, I fucking crushed that. I mean, I really, I really liked that. I really liked that Hudson scene where I punch Hudson. That was like it's one of my that favorites. was fun. The funnest part. The funnest part. The funnest part is that a word. The most fun was doing performance capture. I mean, oh, yeah. doing the VO is great, but when you're interacting on the stage with other actors and you're in the moment, you guys are all connecting. You're looking at each other eye to eye. You're listening to each other, you know, and you're acting. That's the best, man. Performance capture. That is the best. It's still, like I said, man, doing the, doing the straight VO. That's cool. Because when we did some of the VO, be like, all right, well, my light. <clears throat> uh, doing doing the lines sometimes. Um, Amanda would be like, okay, so we're we're doing the scene, and um, 
We we happened to uh, we just did Bruce this morning and we did Bruce yesterday. And so you and Bruce are having a conversation. Here's here's what Bruce here's what Bruce here's the level of Bruce. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, right. I listen to Bruce and kind of get a feel for that, and I'd be like, all right. And so how they do that? They play me. They play me Bruce's line, and I'd answer it right away, like it was in real time. Like he just like we were talking together, and vice versa. If I did it first. You know, if I did something with Reggie or I did something you know, with Chris Payne Gilbert, I would do, a, uh, you know, they, if they recorded me for us, they'd play my lines for them. Be like, this is what Damon did. Or this is what Wood said. And then if you're responding to him. So in your in your cans, you're hearing what they ask you. And then you're answering. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So have you have you got a chance to play the campaign or Warzone or? Dude, dude, it's, dude. I don't even want to. St- don't get me started. Don't get me started, man. I never played video game. I mean, I played video games in my life as a kid. I actually won a tournament, Donkey Kong Junior, when I was you know this high. But the only games I've played recently, when I was on the road uh, touring in a band, we had this baseball game we played, and we had MLB. Yep, MLB, and my buddy in his apartment had a uh, had the hockey game. And that was big. Yeah. We love to play this hockey game. I mean, we just drink and play hockey and talk shit. Yeah. But in our van, we had the MLB game. And we had this game that came out. Funny enough, it was called Red Dead Redemption. Oh, wow. Nice. And the dude you interviewed yeah. would be yesterday or two days yeah, ago? Yeah, two days ago. Rob, yeah. What's his name? Rob Weedoff, yeah. Dude. That guy, I sent you a message about it. I think. Yeah, yeah. I want to be. I want to be like that guy. You talk about, dude. What a positive. Oh, isn't he? What a positive dude. Mm. What a positive dude, man. Just great outlook on life. Yeah. He was great. He so really- I played a little bit of Red Dead Redemption. Not a lot, but I, re- I remember being on the train, train moving, and you running. Here's horses coming up. You try to shoot it. I sucked at it. It was terrible. So. <laughs> Do I play the game? Yes, absolutely oh, you play do. the game. Nice. Absolutely. Uh, dude, and, and now it's it's starting to be a bit of an issue. I'll tell oh, you. Really? Well, first I'll tell you how I got into it. <laughs> when, I, when I knew when I knew when I knew that this was coming out, I started watching YouTubers talk about Cold War coming out. Um, me and my wife first uh I well first I would go through and watch these different YouTubers. And uh, I found this one YouTuber. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the guy out of Chicago. His name is DK Dynamite. Yeah, I know. You know him? Yeah. Stupid guy. So I started watching his his things on Call of Duty. Here He would make you know his projections. This is what I think is going to happen. This is going to do this and this. And so, uh, and then, you know, I had my wife watch him. So he became our household favorite, right? And then these... Easter eggs start dropping, right? A few months back before the game, and they have to start solving them. Oh, I remember so that, yeah. I watched DK, I think, I, I, I believe I watched DK, uh, um, I, I believe I watched DK do a little of them, but but then I jumped over to, I started watching uh, Noah J. Yep. And his crew. Yeah. And I started watching them solve these Easter eggs, and I'm looking at this and scratching my head, I'm like, how in the hell are they figuring this shit out? Like, 
I was coming up with, I'm, I'm trying to help him. Like, I can't even talk to him. I'm watching, I'm thinking, I'm like, all right. I'm like, I don't know how they did it. So I, yeah. I went through weeks. I watched them solve every Easter egg from the beginning until all of a sudden the last one where the horns are fuck, the horns are going off and they all have to run to the stadium. Oh, like, I remember that. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that was huge. That was such a big moment. I'm like, that is so, so cool. And that's when the trailer played, didn't it? That's when the trailer oh, played. Oh, what a way to reveal it. Yeah. That's when the trailer played for the first time. So yeah. I knew I had to play the I knew I had to play this game. I'm like, I gotta get it. So I bought a I bought a uh, I bought a PS4 because I knew in a couple of months the PS5 was coming out, right? They were advertising that. So I'm like, gotta be people on eBay getting rid of PS4s. <laughs> I got one for I got one. I got a PS4 for like 200 bucks. And um then I got the game and I turned it on and I was like, oh I had no idea how hard it was. I had no idea the level expertise that you people like you know Noah J, people like my buddy DK Dynamite. I had no idea how much time it takes to get good at this. Mm. So I get the game. Activision sends me a copy. I plug it in, and I'm going through, and I'm like, "The campaign shit. first? You played campaign first because I had no idea. I was just like, click, 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 click the campaign. Let's do it. Nice. So, what's it? Nowhere left to run. Everybody's going to ask. And I'm sure you're going to ask, like, what's my favorite part of campaign? Nowhere left to run was awesome because I'd never seen it. I'm running up, and I set it on level recruit right easiest level <laughs> my buddy chris payne chris payne gilbert who plays mason he sends a group he see texas a couple days later he's like just finish the campaign it's like two days two days later he goes just finish the campaign and i said what i go you got to be effing kidding me <laughs> he's a game so he's an old school he stopped he was he used to play this game i forgot what game it was but he was a big time he had to he said he had to take a break from take. He was playing a lot. This old game, oh, okay, four, five, six years ago. He stopped playing games, but now he's in this one. So he wanted to get back involved. So he said he finished it. And I was like, no way. So I'm like, well, now I got to finish it. So I went through and played it. You know, nowhere left to one run. Break on through the final countdown. I got to the KGB thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, was that desperate measures? Yep. And you know, I, you have to you have to pick a lock. Right. I'm like, how do you, pick, you, know, you know how long it took me to pick my first lock? I honestly, Dan, uh, that's funny. I think it was 10. I think it was, I think it was at least 10, 10, 10, 12 minutes. Wow. Because, because I'm on a, I didn't know you had to, you know, push one up this way and this one down and then kind of get them in the middle. Yeah. I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. I can understand it. Yeah. And I kept going back. I kept going in circles in that in the KGB thing because you had to go to this one guy and you had to you had to have a cigar to bribe him to get in this this room. And then yeah. you had to go you had to go to you had to go and find a prisoner. You had to kill him. And then finally, that took that took days. That took me days. <laughs> oh so, yeah, that's my one of my favorite missions. That one, I love that one. That yeah. took days. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you did beat it. You did beat the game in the end, or what? Yeah, now I've done, I've done. Yeah, I've been through the camp. I've been I've been through the campaign three or four times now, but I got on. Um, I got into the multiplayer because 
my buddy C Payne. Chris was playing multiplayer, so <clears throat> he was my only friend. He was my only he's my only friend because you know we're like we're like we, we can't leak our can't leak our gamer tags, can we? You know, because because we'll say something, we'll say the wrong thing and somebody's not gonna like it. Yeah, so, yeah I know. He was my only friend. So him and I we were playing, we were playing, we were playing a lot. We still do. Oh nice. So we're playing a lot of we're playing a lot of he loves Nuketown. So do I. <laughs> really good. I love Nuketown too. I'm a prestige six, like one eleven right now, one twelve. Oh wow. So you put some time in. Yeah. I put a little a little time in. He's a prestige seven, like one twenty or something like that now. Okay. He, he's he's better than me. He'll have he'll have forty kills. You know, he'll go 40, 48 kills, twelve death. He'll have some killer games. I'm still figuring out all the buttons, man. I still simtex myself. I'll throw a simtex to a wall right in front of my face and blow up. You know, I rock the stoner. I know the stoner is a beginner gun. <laughs> you know how slow you run. You know how slow you run with that stoner, man. You're like, it, it, you move slow. But you know why I like it? It's got a ton of bullets and you don't have to worry about reloading. <laughs> you do have to keep reloading. You better be somewhere safe because it's going to take you. I can just imagine you spraying this thing in Nuketown. <laughs> oh, bodies just all going. Place. Yeah. I'm up, I'm up in like the yellow house looking across at the greenhouse. I know as soon as I see that flashlight, <laughs> sniper, I'm done. I so love I'm it. Man. On, I gotta work on my I love it. I gotta work on my I gotta work on my snipe. I gotta work on my sniping. My sniping is weak because I'll rock the stoner. Um I've been rocking the uh, the AK the AK the, AK, the what is it the forty seven U yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly AK forty seven U yeah AK forty seven U yeah I rock that um, God what else was I rocking um, I rocked uh, any submachines guns I don't know yeah. I don't know fuck what it was. You know what? I made a list and wrote it down somewhere, and I don't know what, what the fuck. I don't know what the hell. I don't know what the hell That's I did right. with it. That's the right. stoner. Of course, I tried the Mac Ten. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, the uh, uh, the Krieg Six. I built that up. I got All the right. stoner. So you really know played, your shit. I played the stone. I, I got the stoner to max level, right? And I've got seven attachments because I've got that the the, the perk. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I I just need to. Uh, I just my aim needs to get a little better. So you're gonna pick up. Rock, you're gonna pick up a PS5 soon or what? I I don't. Do I need one? Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. Probably. I don't not. know. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know if I need one. I don't know if I need one. I mean, I, I need to focus on. I need to focus on. I you know. I need to focus on getting some more. I need to focus on getting work. You know, instead of being an unemployed actor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Hundred percent. But I definitely need I definitely need sniper help because my yeah. sniper stuff. Man, if you can rock if you can rock that sniper, and I, I that's why I, I I don't have war I don't have war zone, so I haven't been able to drop in war oh, zone. You yet. haven't played no. So well, first off, I, I think I have to buy it. But I was playing with um the other night. I was playing with uh, DK Dynamite, who I'm gonna actually do a. Uh, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna stream it. I'm gonna start playing, doing some streams with, with DK. Oh, you are We're nice. Play together because he did a stream last week with uh, with Stitch MJ. He was just in the. He was just here before MJ. So yeah. I met MJ. They were doing a 
they were doing a live stream and I was actually busy that day, but I dropped in and said hello and introduced myself. And then uh, MJ messaged me, dude, he seems like a super cool guy. So we're going to, we're going to get some streams going here. And um, I guess my, my, uh, my gamer tags, my gamer tags going to be out there soon. That's what I'm saying. Oh, so, nice. Um, so that's happening soon. Yeah. I mean, I, we don't, we haven't planned it yet because DK is just kind of showing me around and the stuff, the stuff that he showed me, um, the other day, like, because I hadn't played, I hadn't played much zombies, but uh, he introduced me to like some zombie stuff. We're doing like the onslaught Nuketown. Yeah, you yeah. play that. Yeah, yeah. Onslaught. We did onslaught Nuketown, and I'm like, how long can this last? And he's like, you can just keep going. I'm like, it never ends. He goes, no, you just keep going for hours. I'm like, can you pause the game and like, if you have, he goes, nope, you just got to keep playing. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, but. He introduced me to Fireteam Dirty Bomb, which I'd played Fireteam Dirty Bomb before, but I didn't know it was going in. I loved it. This huge map, you drop in, and you got to go and find the nuclear stuff. But I, I just kept running around. I'd get on a motorcycle for a fun ride, and I'd get sniped, and I didn't know how to play. I really, Obviously, you got to play on comms with a team and have a plan. So yeah. DK and I dropped in Fireteam Dirty Bomb, and he's like, all right, follow me. Pick this up. You know, pick this up. And, you know, every time I'd get hurt, he'd revive me. He was right there. And he's like, all right, great job. You know, you killed that guy. So he's walking me through, helping me with some of this stuff. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Which is a big, big, big help. I'll have to check that out when you guys do that. Yeah. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. And I know we got on this. You ask about um, you ask about the onions. And once again, we went somewhere else. So. <laughs> Back to the onions thing, man. Yeah, with that, I I had heard about that. People were saying, "Dude, what's up? What's up with this onion thing?" And you know, like, oh, they're like, "Dude, you're fuck, you're taking, dude, you're taking a lot of heat. Like, you're taking a lot of heat, man. Oh, they really fuck, they, they fucking hate you." I'm like, well, that's you know, that's price price of doing business, I guess. I think um, I think I think the the younger audience are a bit more aggressive. You know what I mean? Like the 10, 11, 12 year olds. I think yeah. older people understand, you know. Um, under, under, excuse me. Understand, um, understand what? What do you mean? Well, I mean it, that it's just, it's just, it's really just a throwaway line. Is there's nothing really. Oh, well, right. you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's just. Yeah, but you know, you listen to think, you know, you, you know, you listen to the line. It's like, yeah, you know, he's like Mason's like Mason like tells me like, yeah. I'm like, we do this real quiet, and he's like, yeah, you're the master of quiet. Like, that's a funny line. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm goddamn onion mason. And I'm like, listen to the line, like, does it make sense? I mean, I, no, I, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think, it, I don't think it does. Does it make sense that Woods is going to rock a Christmas sweater? You know, <laughs> does it make sense? Woods is going to rock a Christmas sweater. I, I like it. Yeah. Did, you know, did other people did, did, did the other, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about other actors, but did other actors, you know, that, you know, that used to play my character, are they going to bust my balls about it? Well, of, of course, of course they are. Like the only thing I like, I mean, I like the Christmas sweater because they hung the mistletoe right, you know, right, right on his elbow. <laughs> yeah. And that was like, that was a genius thing. And I didn't see that for days. Somebody else had pointed that out to me. And I said, what do you mean the mistletoe? And they're like, I love the mistletoe. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, look at his belt buckle. I'm like, oh, I looked. I'm like, holy shit. 
they hung the mistletoe on his belt buckle. That's hilarious. So are you excited for like, because, I mean, let's hope that you get to, to reprise the role in the next game. Hopefully there's a sequel. Um, yeah. You would think so. You would think so, but you never know. Yeah. Um, are you excited to, to come back and keep going? Extremely excited, man. Yeah. This is a, what a, what a good, what a, what a great gig. What a great group of people, not only, you know, uh, Activision and Treyarch and working with, you know, <clears throat> Raven and uh, Formosa and working with Amanda Wyatt, Dan Lawfer. Oh, yeah. But if I get to work with these dudes, uh, you know, if I get a chance to work with Reggie and Bruce again, that would be amazing. And I'd love to work, you know, C-Pain, I'd love to work with him because C-Pain's not in a lot of, not, not in a lot of the game right now, you know? Uh, and I don't know, they, you might know the answer to this. They, mm. I know that they release different seasons. Do they release new characters every year throughout the year or how do they do that? How do they go about doing that? They do. Yeah. He could pop up. He could pop up. So, but I don't know. Mason's a tricky one because he was a playable character for, right. you know, a lot of it, isn't he? Um, in, yeah. in the old games. So I don't know. I I could see, personally, I could see in the sequel, the next Black Ops game, you and him getting a lot more work and really fleshing out that friendship. And so I've, if I was a betting man, because um, Park and Lazar, I only found out the other day that um, in the canon, like Lazar's gone, he's dead. Park's the one that survives. Um, well, yeah, like I have that line, you know, I, that's one of my lines, like, um, mm. shit, where was it? It was like, um, God, I forget which mission it was, but we're rolling in and Adler says something to me about this. And I'm like, I wouldn't miss this for the world. You know, I'm, I'm going to make those mother, I'm, I'm going to make those motherfuckers pay for ice and Lazar. That's right. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I that. and, um, you know, there's that one part. We were on the rooftop, and you've got to, you've got to save Park. That's or what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think I, I've done that. Like I said, I've done. I've been there. I've done that part at least three times. And I think first time, the first time I got Park. Second time I got Lazar. The third time, I just took right <laughs> off. <laughs> I took right off and left him. I took right off and left him. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> I felt like shit because those guys, <laughs> those guys were peppering me. Cause I, at this point I've upped it, you know, I'm not a recruit level anymore. Cause they, I know a little bit more about what I'm doing, but um, yeah. I felt like shit, man. I'm like, God, <laughs> well, I know I'm safe and I'm flying away and I'm leaving, I'm leaving park. I'm leaving park with Lazar. This is terrible. Yeah. And then- but yeah, I mean, she's, she's in war zone. That's why he's not in war zone. Cause he's technically dead. Um, right. So I don't know if we'll see him returning. Sad face, but yeah, I could see you and and um, Lily and Reggie and and uh, Bruce. I mean, that'd be awesome because I think it's just a really good group of people. Um, you're all legends, and the camaraderie shows. And I think uh, if they're given a bit more time, because you know the campaign is short, I would have loved to seen a few more missions with yourself and whoever. Yeah, but- do you think? Do you in saying that? Do you think? Do you think uh, 
if we weren't if we weren't if, if we would have been bound by the covid do you think it would have been would longer have been- yeah exactly sure. because yeah. i don't think i think cold war was supposed to come out this year i'm pretty sure and they they pushed it forward because the other call of duty game was in a bit of trouble i think that's how it worked but the, you know this is hearsay um but you know there's a three year cycle, so I mean if, if you're gonna if you're gonna be in the next game, you'll probably be starting next year or you'll get a call pretty soon, I reckon. Although, you know, you're still on the war zone. I mean you're still in the war zone cutscene, so that's still got another four four seasons, doesn't it? Dude, I'd love dude, I'd love a call this week. I'd love a call this week, you know, if you could put a word in. <laughs> yeah. I'd no. love a call to get back to work, man, you know. Well, um, what's this I mean You've just been established as Woods. He's like one of the most well-known characters. I think you're pretty safe, man. I don't see Woods dying. That's for sure. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean <laughs> you kill me, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, legend. Yeah. What, you know what? You know what, James? You know, hats off again. Hats off to hats off to James because um, <clears throat> yeah, I know he's got. I know he's got tons of fans, and I know he's rat. He's he's really he's really involved in this world, and he's got his uh, <clears throat> he's got you know such he's got a lot of he's got a lot of passion for it, and mm. hat, hats hats off to him for doing you know for for uh for doing for doing all that, and hats off to him for creating a such a badass character, it's such a fun such a fun character, man. I mean, to be able to be an aggressive smart ass is great, you know. I'm a smart ass in real life. I'm I'm not I'm not aggressive. I'm not I'm not some tough guy, but I sure do love playing a tough guy, man. It's yeah. It's uh So it's, before I let you go, I'll give you a couple more. Do you see yourself doing more video games now? Now you've got the itch? I've got the itch. Yeah, I'm just trying I'm trying I'm just trying I'm, I'm trying like I just did a I just um did an on camera uh self tape. Yeah. Self tape. Uh, the other day, uh, you know, last week for a one. game, yeah, for a game, nice. yeah, for a new game, big game coming out. I don't know, I don't know. Of course, they say big, they say big game, you know, you don't know, you don't know the name, so you know, we'll see what happens. And, um, like I said, I'm uh, I'm current, I'm also, I'm current, I'm currently looking for a, uh, I'm currently looking for a, a new on camera agent, you know, I want to get back to doing, uh, oh, nice. You know, Doing some doing some film, so um, <clears throat> I've got the I've got the wheels in motion well, to do that. Yeah, you were you were were you on the set of Westworld? Did I see? I was I was dude wow. I was with with Ed, Ed, with Ed Harris man. That's of crazy all, of all, man. Ed Harris, who was you know who was Hudson for a while, right? Yeah. <laughs> How crazy is that? That's just, yeah. What was that like? That was crazy because it was a night shoot, man, and we're down we're downtown at the. I don't know if I could say the studio, but they they shoot they they have stu- they shoot everywhere because Westworld they have like a western part that they shoot out at out at a ranch north of L.A. where they get the western stuff in, and then I was in like a I was doing a, I was playing like a psych ward character walking around. And um, here's Ed Harris, man. He's still Ed Harris sitting there smoke, smoking his cigarettes, just kind of pacing around. Hasn't changed. Cool of course, I said, you know, I said, I said hello to him. I was like, "What's up, man? How you doing?" You know, no, I, I didn't go up to you know, I don't go over the top, you know, when I see somebody like that. But um, that's the thing, you know, I was I was doing extra work to uh, 
to get, you know, my SAG to get uh, some health insurance. And now if I'm going to get an on camera work, I got to, I got to stop doing extra work because if you're an extra or any kind of background performer or day player or something on a show, if they have, they're not going to have, if, if they, if, if they, if they see your headshot or they see your resume and your, your agent submits you for that, then, you know, they're not, they're not going to have you in because there's a chance some fan is going to go and be like, you know, three episodes ago, uh... dude, was sitting at the end of the bar talking to somebody and now he's a now he's an FBI agent or a cop. I get I get call I get call a lot to play, you know, FBI's FBI agents and cops. I guess it's because, you know, my uh, short hair and I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's kind of my kind of my look. Kind of kind of, kind of maybe that's my my typecast. So in finding a, a new on camera agent, so I'm gonna have to stop, slow down and um Stop doing so. Stop doing so much background stuff. Yeah. So, well, pers- we'll, we'll, personally, we'll man, I hope to see you in more games, just quietly. I think you got a great presence on screen, um, great voice, and just hearing some of the voices you put on before, I know, I know you're versatile. That's for sure. Well, yeah, I got, I've got a few. I mean, growing growing up in the South, it's funny. I've got a, I got an on camera, I got an on camera audition for this film shooting in Georgia. And it's uh, in this town called Sonoya, and it's it's right next to the town I grew up in, and it's oh. it's for a sheriff, it's for a southern sheriff with a southern accent. So I'm just gonna have to, you know, turn on my southern draw and just get it working, see how Doesn't far see. they want me. To go. I didn't even notice she turned. Then you just yeah, seamlessly yeah. did it. <laughs> but you know. I do have some, you know, I have this, uh, I have a and a coming up that I'd like to actually, my only thing coming up that I could promote. Um, yeah. Um, I'm doing this thing called uh, uh, Galaxy Con. Nice. Me and the Cold War cast are doing it's uh, galaxycon.com. Um, we're doing it on uh, Sunday, April the 11th uh, at 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Is that right? 4 p.m. Yeah. April the 11th, Sunday, April the 11th, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. And there's going to be Q&A with the whole cast. All of us are going to be on, I guess, a Zoom like oh, this. Oh, that'll be cool. We're doing that. And then, you know, afterwards, there's going to be some like uh, video chats where you can do one-on-one video chats with a uh, character of your choice and, you know, some some autograph signings of certain things, pictures. Uh, people can send in stuff like character characters, or they can send in stuff for you to sign. They can send in a machine gun for you to sign. Anyway, I just awesome. want to promote. That. Yeah, definitely. Everyone check that out, and also follow Damon on Twitter and Instagram. Damon V Allen underscore. Is that right? Yeah, Damon V Allen underscore. Yeah, yeah and the Damon, you know. The Damon Victor Allen, that is my full name. I mean, my dad's name was Vic, so Damon Victor Allen is my real is my real name. I've got I've got three first names, right? Same so here. Re- Same here, Dan John Allen. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you and I have we have more in common, man. Oh, you know? I know. I know. No. Um, but I recently my SAG card says Damon Victor Allen because there was already a Damon Allen. Oh, is that and, why? Uh, uh, I wondered why yeah. that happens. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think I'm listed. I think I'm listed in the game in Call of Duty as Dame, just Damon Allen. That's what I go by, Damon Allen. But okay, I'll change. I'll change it. I'll change because I've no, got to don't, don't change you, it. You keep his Damon Victor Allen because that's what I put up on my my social stuff. So, okay. and that's what it's under you. That's what like uh, IMDb and stuff. It's under Damon Victor Allen. Um, okay. Cool. Whatever. Yes, please. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Hook up. Hit me up on my socials, man. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the sharpest with the social stuff. Yesterday, you know, you sent me all that good stuff to post it, man. You got it done. Two, you got it done. I spent two hours, man. I spent two <laughs> hours. It's been so long. I forgot how to do I'm like, how do I do a story? So first I copied your story. And then I did my, then I created a story. And there was this one, there was this one Led Zeppelin song I wanted to use, but they they didn't have it. it's called the, the the wanton song really heavy really heavy great bottom beat to it and I guess you got one deal- on though what you got a song on oh yeah I, I put yeah. I put a stone I put a stone song on there you know but uh, yeah I got it done but it took me like two hours man I'm so slow with That's that stuff if you're slow with responding and all that but you know hit me hit me up man I'll do my I'll do my damnest to get back to you. Uh, <laughs> Man. I appreciate, I really appreciate all the love, man. And Dan, I, I appreciate you uh, having me on, man. It's been a lot of fun, Dude, bro. It's been a pleasure, man. Really nice to chat for you for the last few hours. Thank you so much yeah. for the time, man. Yeah, you're you're badass, dude. You're really, really, you're really good at what you do, man. Really good. I appreciate it, brother. You too. And I can't wait to get you back again when you're in the next Black Ops, eh? Or in the, on that when you get that uh, when you get that gig. That, uh, yeah, that you just auditioned for. Well, let's hope. Let's, <laughs> here's the, the hope, man. Here's the hope. Oh well, it's been a pleasure, man. Before I let you go, is there anything? Um, is there anything Woods can say to Dan, or what? Can he come alive? Yeah, can Dan? What you, you want to? Like a plug? Like better tune into Dan Allen Gaming or else. I don't know. You want to? You want to tag or uh, whatever you what? want, man. Whatever comes to your mind. Whatever, whatever you want, whatever comes to your mind. Tune into Dan Allen Gaming, or else I'm coming after you. You're fucking down. <laughs> Thank you, man. No, that's that's awesome. I think people love to hear the voice. And by the way, when you come down to Australia, we'll hit up Royal Melbourne for a game, eh? Dude, <laughs> love to, man. I love love to, dude. I've been dying. I'd love to come. You know, I'd love to come down there for the uh, Australian Open sometime. Yeah, like, yeah. The heat they play in, man. It's like it's 110 degrees on that court. What's that like? 375 Celsius for you, or something like that? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, I know. It's like 43 Celsius, probably. Yeah. Um, but the conditions they uh they play. In. Oh yeah, because you're uh, a big tennis fan, aren't you? Obviously played it. Yeah. Bloody Novak just wins every time, though. That's the only problem. You just yeah, can't Novak stop him. On, Novak's on a roll. He's a machine, man. He kind of reminds me of uh, of Lendl back in the day. I was a I was a McEnroe fan growing up. Oh, me too. Yeah, that yeah. was my that was my boy. I like McEnroe, and um, McEnroe's hero was Rod Laver. So I always liked Rod Laver. Yeah, yeah. fellow Aussie. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, mate. I'll let you go. But again, it's been an absolute pleasure. And guys, make sure you follow Damon on Instagram, Twitter. Give him some love. And uh, and yeah, man, have a great day. 
Man, you too, brother. I appreciate it. And we'll drop in. We'll drop into multiplayer soon. Yeah, is your uh, is your gamer is your gamer tag is it online? I'll is shoot it, it to you. I'll shoot it to you offline. Shoot it to me because uh, you know I'm practicing. I'm gonna be practicing with that sniper. I got to get that sniper. I got to get that sniper rolling, man. That's all right. No, we'll get we'll get the sniper going. And if you ever need uh, social media help, reach out as well, man. I'm more than happy to help you. Well, thank you. I I really appreciate that, Dan. Take care, mate. Have a great day. You too, brother. Talk to you soon. Later on.